Welcome to the Not So Common Podcast. I'm Pat Contry, and this week we have from Cinemassacre, Mike Matei. Mike's been working alongside James Rolfe on the, on the Cinemassacre website and channel for, wow, over 10 years, 11 years, maybe more at this point. Uh, he's You've seen him on some of the ABGN uh, videos, acting horribly as the Joker. <laughs> Um, you've also you, nowadays you see him on on uh, James and Mike Mondays. He does playthroughs. He does let's play videos. He's he's he keeps the channel busy for sure. Welcome, Mike. Well, thanks, Pat. Thanks for all that. And yeah, speaking of <laughs> th- speaking of James, um, I have to say I think today or might be tomorrow. It's going to be very shortly. Uh, um, you know, our channel is actually about to hit 1 billion views, if, if you can believe it or not. And, really? and I want to say, uh, you know, congratulations to James for pulling that off. I mean, I remember, you know, going to college w- with James and I remember him trying to get people together uh, to watch a, watch a little short film that he would make. He'd make like a little horror film or a little um, you know, comedy thing, and he'd, he'd get a room through full of, like, three or four people, and, you know, and that was, like, exciting for him to, like, film something and get, like, just a couple people in a room to watch something. So now he has accomplished getting a billion people to watch his content, and I just want to say, like, congratulations to him, you know. That's insane. Now, not to get into what, you know, what the personal feelings of James, but, like, he he sort of when I talk to him about accomplishments, he's usually he's very humble about is, these sort of is. things. In terms of he never he st- this is why I like James so much. He's always been grounded. He's probably been the same person he was fifteen years mm-hmm. ago. You know, in terms of like ah, a billion views, who cares? But at some level, obviously, he's got to be like wow, this is a huge fucking deal that uh, a billion views that yeah. I got because that's obviously this is a very small. You know, a very small, minute portion of YouTubers will ever get close to that many views. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's aware of how you know cra- crazy that is, but I think you know, I think he just likes the idea that he's able to make something and other people can watch it and enjoy it. Um, the numbers and the popularity, I don't think he it's that's I don't, I don't know that I don't want to speak for him, but I, I don't think sure. that that's something he really cares too much about it's more that he's just happy that people can watch something that he worked on and, and made you know sure and he's been keeping busy lately uh he's been doing more you know like reviews of king kong uh movies mm-hmm. because of the movie coming out uh, he did his power rangers sort of uh uh introspection which I, I spoke about with him a little bit before he got going on that and then he went did the avgn video that just came out uh with power rangers so it was interesting that he now has i think uh, well, you guys aren't doing uh, Monster Madness anymore. Correct? Yeah, exactly. So the deal with that was um, one of the first things I started doing with James, and I might have talked about this with you before, but um, he did the original Monster Madness in 2007, 10, year, 10 11 years ago now. And uh, so he did that, and that's back when we were doing like the Adams Family, Fester's Quest, you know, nerd videos and all that oh, back yeah. then. And uh the, then I said I said to him, you know, hey James, are you gonna do it next year in 2008? Like, and he he was like, oh, I'm not sure because I gotta do all these nerd videos and whatever. And I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool. And he, he didn't know if he could pull it off, like you know. And I was like, well, if you did it, what would you do? And he's like, oh, I, I always wanted to review all the Godzilla movies. So at that point, I I offered. I was like, well, what if I edit it? edited the videos for you and took a lot of that workload off of you so that, you know, he, he would still write it and voice it, but I did the editing work so that it wouldn't take so much time. And I did that. Sure. And that was the first major thing that I really worked on with James. 
And so we did Monster Madness for 10, 10 years or so. Some of the years I heavily edited them. Other years it was mostly James. Um, and basically it got to the point where there were so many... Like originally um, there was movies like Dracula and Frankenstein, stuff that he had seen before. But after 10 years, 31 reviews for 10 years, it got to the point where it was like, okay, uh, what, which, which one? Let's see. Uh, did we do the Babadook? Oh, yeah, we, are, we already did the Babadook last year. Did we do your, your next? Yeah, we did your next. It's kind of like, uh, wait, uh, we'll find. So we're, we're having a hard time like, trying to you yeah. know, keep, keep... You've done hundreds of horror Literally, films. like like 400 uh, of them or something. Like, it's like crazy. So, so we got to the point with it, um, actually going back to the Godzilla-thon thing, so around that time... Uh, James also got a partnership with Spike, and we were doing movie reviews on there, too, which I was helping him edit at that point, too. This was back in, like, 2007, 2008. And so we were doing a lot of those movie reviews and doing the nerd videos and all that. And so people had come to know James really, obviously, because of Angry Video Game Nerd, but secondary Mm -hmm. for his movie reviews, for Monster Madness and, like, his top ten videos and stuff like that. So... There came a point when he went to do the movie, and then he came back, and then we got back. He was working to try to do more nerd episodes, and then we started doing the Let's Plays. And there was a few years where, like, we weren't putting out a lot of movie review content, and I felt like, hey, that was something that people knew you for besides the nerd. We Like, I felt like James should get back to the movie review stuff. So, um, the problem was that on YouTube, you know, with uh, content ID and stuff like this, you got to be careful with, you know, just ripping movies and throwing them online. You can't be doing that. Um, Sure. So, uh, and I know uh, other people online have had had trouble with that. So we started using uh, still frames for the videos, which uh, back in the day with uh, Spike... um, that was that was sort of we we used a lot of still frames so we're doing that now and you might have seen over the last year or two James has started to do more movie reviews he did that one about Ghostbusters he did he did some about Godzilla he did some about The Wizard of Oz he did a bunch about Star Wars now so really over the last six months or so since the summer he's really started to get back to that and I'm really happy because I felt over the last two to three years of Cinemassacre that that. Are, the movie reviews have been lacking, but finally, I think we're getting back to the point where people are realizing, "Hey, James is back with the movie reviews," and, and I think it's—I'm really happy about it. Well, I always uh, applauded both you and James. Your, obviously, your work ethic uh, is top notch, but it was almost always to me like you were working so much on Monster Madness for like half the year, mm-hmm. it seemed, or more that. Mm-hmm it really tied you up to do anything else. And, and so I understood that, yeah, that's a great amount of content for that month of October, but if you're working on that content for six, seven months and it's hard to work on anything else, you're kind of not just pigeonholing yourself, but if you wanted to work on something else, you really can't. Um, so it's, it's nice to see, like uh, like last year, if this, if you guys were still working on Monster Madness, what James had been able to do, like this whole string of you know King Kong uh, you know, sort of reviews, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. It'd be tough to probably get through them all. Or to do like a standalone, like you said, like Wizard of Oz sort of thing, or it it just it makes it less pressure in terms of all right. I know that I don't have to get out thirty videos in that one well, month. Let's let's work on this. So things. James, uh, excuse me. Um, so James is the angry video game nerd. He's the face of the channel, and he's like the person people know. So I had felt like the only real time you'd you'd see James during the year doing the movie re- reviews 
was in October during Monster Madness. So October would come and it would be like bam, 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 bam. All these reviews would come out with James. But then what would happen is the rest of the year you would barely see November, December, January, February, March, April. You wouldn't see much of James on the channel. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was a problem because people come there to see James. So I was like, how do we fix that problem? The only way to fix that problem um, was to stop Monster Madness. But Monster Madness also needed to stop because we were running out of movies to really talk about, sure. you know? Because we had done pretty much every classic horror film ever. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to do horror movie reviews. It's just, like, um, I know a movie Get Out just came out um, recently. Like, now we're at the point where James could go see that movie and he could review it the week the movie comes out as opposed to having to wait all the way until October. And I think that that's probably... Uh, a better way to go about it. Sure. I mean, it's, it's you know like a red letter media approach where they just sit down and they talk about the movie right after they exactly. see it. And that's good because it's timely. Mm-hmm. It's easier to do. And, and yeah, you don't have to be like, uh, you don't have to wait months and months to see something. You want to see someone talk about something now. Exactly. Not like months and months later. So I, 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 it's great. And plus like, like James branching out, like I, I was surprised when we talked about Power Rangers a little bit. Um, that he wasn't familiar with it, never really watched it. And I was like, James, you really should be, should have been watching this as a kid. This should this would have been something I think you would have liked. And it's good to see him discover things like that. He can come in, and, and obviously it's it's timely because of the new movie. But it it gives him a chance to branch out a little bit more. And I, and I think maybe get back and having a, a, you know not that uh, Monster Madness uh, wouldn't be fun, but with that time crunch and the amount of time and all that pressure, I can imagine it seeming just like dragging on both mm. of you. Like, oh my god, how, we have to edit ten more of these left yeah, to go. You know, that's like, how it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I edited it for uh, many years. Um, and, and that's how it was. You mentioned that it would take months to do. So, But you're right. So what would happen was we would Monster Madness would come out in October. And then we would say, okay, no, November, December, we'd get through Christmas and all that. But then by the time January comes along, it's like, then I start talking about, like, okay, well, what are we going to do next October? And, and then James is like, oh, I guess i got to start... Right, right in the reviews. So come like January, February, James was already starting to write the reviews. Um, so like January, February, March, April, James would be like watching the movies and writing them. And then I'd be capturing clips. And it, the process would usually go up until like the middle to the end of the summer. And then we'd get it, we'd get it done by like August maybe. Maybe it would be like a little late. Sometimes we'd be working on it even until September, and then finally, oh, yeah. then you know, then then I have to work on uploading them all online, doing all the descriptions and get, doing all the images. That was a pain in the ass. Doing all the the you know the, every fucking video has to have an image and on and on and on. So th- <laughs> so then and then yeah, schedule them all, and it's like literally it would take the majority of the year just to do that. But that's not all we were doing. Then at the same time, it's like okay. But now let's stop this Monster Madness thing for a few days because now we have to make an Angry Video Game Nerd episode. So now I'm, like, getting dressed up in some fucking ridiculous Klingon outfit or something. (laughs) And then we're doing that for a week. And then I get back home. And now I'm, like, I'm, like, on eBay. And I'm, like, like ordering the next fucking game for the next review. I'm, like, okay, what what game are we going to do for the next one? And then while I'm doing that, then I'm, like, trying to edit... Like fucking yeah. from hell it came or like <laughs> <laughs> one man wrecking crew. You needed interns or work, guys working for you so badly. I told you. I remember a couple years ago I asked you about that, and you're like, "Well, I like to have the control of the editing myself. I know exactly what it is. Yeah. I know exactly what goes into it. 
But man, at some point, man, it sounds like five, six years ago, if you had people helping you edit those uh, Monster Madness things, <laughs> at least it, it could have freed well, you up to work. You know on what though? Stuff. It, it's, it's like pretty much still as crazy today. I mean, we're still doing the movie reviews. We're doing. You know, you you now with Ian, you you started to do uh, let's plays, so you know that that actually takes a little bit of work to do that. Um, I mean, they're not, you know, it's not like making a Pat the NES Punk episode. It's not like making an ABGN yes. episode, but still, to sit there and play the game, and then you, you know, you gotta do a little editing, gotta upload it. It's you know, it takes some time. And for our videos, um, our let's plays, we actually. I edit in a little bit more stuff. It's not just the game footage. There's the footage of us on the couch. And then also, a lot of times I get other shots. I'll get shots of consoles and stuff like that. So it's a little bit more work than your standard um, Let's Play. Um, and it's also edited down quite a bit, you know? Um, I, we edit out a lot of dead air. Because I think James and I are not usually the best at... Do We're not like radio people. Where you're great at that. You can just keep it going and going. We sometimes will be playing a game, and then there'll be a little bit of dead air, so we cut that out. What's What's interesting about that, though, is that when there's dead air, you're probably playing better. Yes. And, and, and unfortunately, due to Ian's illness, um, it, we sort of – the Let's Play stopped before they got got any momentum. So we have to see if we're going to go back to that, unfortunately. We only did like two or three sets of Let's Plays. And yeah, it seemed like you, you had just started that, and then he got sick. Yeah, but – um. What was interesting is that people saying how bad I was at all these games, like Ninja Gaiden. I didn't get up to the final level. I, you know, those little guys flying around. What was that like four three or whatever? I got up to or whatever five two, whatever. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, you suck, Pat. It's like, oh, I beat these games before. But but the point is that when you're trying to make it entertaining and, and talk and have running jokes. I think the last Ninja Gaiden one we talked about uh, purple drink or purple stuff, and I had a whole running theme with it. It's hard to do that and be competent at the game at the same time and try to be entertaining. Exactly. And there, there, there are different markets where there are some people that watch Let's Plays just for to see the skill of it or speed runs. Other people just want to hang out with, with the personalities and hear them talk to each other. So there's different avenues you can go. I guess I was trying to split the difference. I guess it can work out, but the, uh, the percentage of games I've beaten on the Let's Plays has been so low. I think we've only beat one out of like 15 or one out of 12, right. you know, whatever it's been. You know, like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, I only got up to, uh, I, I think I couldn't get past Mr. Sandman. And it's funny Mr. because I know normally like we play the hardest part other than Tyson. Sure, but I know that like if I played that normally without a less play concentrated, I, I could beat him. I can beat you know I can beat Mike Tyson, but not during that environment. It's like you're worse at the game. Then it's like you have to sacrifice the the game playing talent for entertainment. So that, that it, makes it makes absolute sense, and I have gone through the exact same thing. So uh, in I think November, I started with an answer to that problem. So, there's different types of videos. So you have your anger video game nerd videos, you know, which are scripted. Um, then you have the Let's Plays, like James and Mike Mondays, uh, where it's, you know, James and me on the couch. And like you said, like filming with Ing, it can be hard to keep a conversation going and play at the same time and, and do any good. And then there's live streams where it kind of is what it is. You, you know, you could suck or you could be good, whatever. It's just live. It, whatever happens, happens. And then uh, the newest thing I started to do um, is uh, what I call playthroughs, where before I play a game, I practice the shit out of it. For, for, for uh. example, um, I play through uh, Ninja Gaiden 3, and I sat for actually a couple... Tough yeah, game. I, I, I sat for probably two days, I'd say, and I played it like 
like three or four times one day, and then the next day I played it like another three or four times, and I got to the point with it where I got good enough at the game that I knew that I could beat it. Like, I could go through the whole game, and maybe I would die twice or something. So I was like, I was really good, really practiced, and then the what I'm doing is then I go and I record, I use, you know, XSplit, and it's the same exact thing as doing a live stream, except no audience, no chat, no, basically no interruptions, no... You you see you see you on screen yes. at the same time. Um, it's it's me. Okay. It, it's the game. But there's no there's no there's nobody. There's it's just me. I can I can actually focus on the game. And I do a little commentary. But I start th- these videos out by saying, "Hey, this is this game. We'll give a little history on it. And here's the deal. This is a playthrough. This is a serious playthrough. I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm gonna try to beat it. I'll come. You know, I'll do some commentary when I can. But this is not about really." being funny or whatever this is just about i'm playing i'm playing the game and i'm i'm determined to beat it so that's what this is about um so i started doing that and i didn't know how that would go i thought well will people be bored by this will this totally suck and i i I did it and the first one i did was ghost and goblins and i actually got a surprisingly good reception to it um I, i thought i thought it actually wouldn't go over well i thought people would just be terribly bored um, but it, actually people liked it and, um, pe- people have been watching it. So I, I do that now every once in a while when I, when I get a chance. I, I've thought about doing that in the past. I think I recorded a Contra No Death run about a year ago, oh, that's year awesome. a half ago. And I, and I said, well, this could be interesting and maybe I can just every once in a while insert audio me saying this is like a, the toughest part of the game or this is what you watch out for. This is what, you know, just problematic areas. Do something like that where... There is, I think, there is a need for, like you said, people just want to see, like, you know, just skill yeah. play at some point, or at least learn about the game with, without the snarky comments, or you know, me have to scripting something out, talking to a stuffed animal, or something. You know, like, like there, there is room for that as well. Except, I don't know about like if you have the time to play for fun, to play through the entire game first and then come back. That works out. I think if I, someone like me would have to do it, I'd have to focus on, okay, what are the games that I, I'm, I know I'm already good at, then go back in and play through them. You know, and you're playing on real hardware, correct? You're not using save states. It's, it's actual... Well, uh, I use, I'll use the ABS because um, I want it, the other thing is I want it to be like 60 frames per second HDMI. I want it to like look good, and, and I'm doing it through okay. XSplit and stuff. So, so yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. Sure. But, you know... You can play in your LCD TV, but also capture high quality. Yeah, so so it time. so it depends. I, I use I use <coughs> goddamn I use uh, I use different stuff, but um, I'm getting over this cold. I caught a cold at PAX, and I just I, I'm I've been trying <laughs> to get through it, and it's just still lingering. But um, but yeah, so I've been doing that. And the thing about uh, the oh, you know, another thing I want to say actually is sometimes people give James a hard time. Because, you know, we might be playing a game and, and, and it's the same thing, you know, for him. James is actually really, really good at NES games. And, you know, he's beaten fucking really hard games. He beat um, uh, Transformers for Famicom, which is, I've never beaten that game. He beat uh, Street Fighter 2010, which is probably one of the hardest NES games. That's, that's yeah, You know, and he's doing that all on, you know, legit consoles and stuff like that. James is good, but it's the same thing. When we're sitting there for James and Mike Mondays, see, the thing is James and Mike Mondays is not about us being video game experts. It's about playing a game with a friend, having a good time, and 
also getting the chance to go back and play some things that we never really got the chance to do. Like, uh, just recently, uh, James and I played a Neo Geo game, and we were having the conversation like, isn't this amazing? This is 2017, and we're getting to just sit here and play Neo Geo. When we were kids, we would have loved to play anything Neo Geo, because nobody yeah. had it. How- if you, yeah, if you had an AES as a kid, you were like, I, I didn't know anyone who owned like a system like that. And now we are pri- privileged enough that we can go back, afford these consoles, and then share it with other people that maybe even can't. Because even getting a consoleized MVS is going to run you four hundred dollars. You know, what I mean, like it's just ridiculous uh, to do that. But no, I, uh, there's an education factor as well, which I think is what you're, you're touching upon. Where yes, it's entertainment, but uh, you can learn about these games. You can That's learn also about. You can for talk me, about. Yeah. Talk about the developer, talk about the publisher, talk about how it was received when it came out, talk about games that it's similar to, whether or not there's a sequel or a game that it's sort of based upon. You know, there's a lot of fascination, I think, with the game history as well that you can, you know, s- sprinkle in at the same time. That's why I like it. I mean, part part of this to me is, part of this is, is being a, a video game historian, not just, not just, okay, it's fun as well, but there's this is a whole medium that has only been really regarded as something serious for the past, let's just say, 20 years, 25 years, where it's treated with respect that, okay, this is just as important as uh, TV history Absolutely. or movie history or, or or music history, where this is also, you know, art and entertainment. And that's why I think, at least that's at, this, at the point I'm at now, I think I'm transitioning a little bit more to, to that aspect where it's it's not it's not just for fun. It's also the historical. I feel like aspect. what we're doing is like we're kind of like good video game teachers because you, did you ever, you know, when you were in high school or when you were in college, you had some teachers where you'd sit there and they would talk and they would bore the shit out of you because blah 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 blah. And in 1920, blah blah <laughs> blah. But then you then I don't know if you had this experience, but I had some really good teachers who would get up there and they would find a way to make it entertaining so when you watch angry video game nerd he's giving you a video game history lesson but he's doing it in a funny way so that it's entertaining you're learning and you're enjoying it at the same time and edutainment edutainment, (laughs) it is i mean it's kind of corny but it's true and the thing is you know over the years so many people say this about the angry video game nerd and it's a little aggravating to me um They'll say, oh, yeah, ABGN, you know, Diarrhea Fuck Farts, well, he got famous for saying fuck. The thing is, this show's been around for over 10 years now. If the show was only about James just going, Diarrhea Fuck Farts, it would have lasted two weeks, and it would have been been here and gone. The show is about a lot more than just him saying fuck and all that. And the other thing about it is him cursing and all that. You know, that goes hand in hand with playing video games. You know, you're playing a video game. You're, you're Mario. You're going along and you fall off the thing. You die. You get frustrated. You say fuck. You say shit. Like, that, people do that. And, if, and also, it goes back to that era of, you know, when we were playing those games in the early 90s. You're, you're a teenager. You're 13, 14 years old. You're immature. And you make those vulgar kind of jokes. So I think all of that fits in with the character and I think it is, as corny as it is, um, it is edutainment. And my favorite part is the fact that we can educate people. Because I, I absolutely like love video games, as you do. Like, that's my thing. I mean, you wrote an entire fucking book about the NES, so you of all people get it. Um, it's, it's really nice to be able to educate and let people learn about these games. Yeah. Sure. Let's talk a little about that, about the movement 
um, and this has happened all across the board. Uh, it's a necessity to keep content fresh, quick, quicker now on mm-hmm. YouTube. Make sure you get it out, make it mm-hmm. timely. So some some people have lost out. Some have managed to carve their niche. Your channel does both. The, but the general movement from the, like you said, the more refined, written, and highly edited material to the, we'll just say, quick, easier, loosey-goosey material. And, and striking that balance. And obviously James is a guy who comes from a film background. Um, he, he likes to have his content, you know, like, like short film format, basically. That's what AVGN's a short film. Uh, I, I look at it like a, the Three Stooges. They did over 100 <laughs> shorts. It's the same yeah. sort of thing. I mean, that's what it is. Um, so how do you – how – I guess what, what, it's not really a question. It's more of just a comment or statement is that is this the final progression? You started off with the refined format because back when James was doing it, no one else really was to that extent. Uh, and, and that quickly getting those out, doing two, two, a mo- two a month for like a year and a half, which was nuts, or at least doing mm-hmm. one a month for a long time. And now we're getting to the part, point where, well, that may not work if you're just starting out anymore. And now I, I think either this is the last sort of uh, place we're going to stand at, or maybe with the current YouTube advertisers being scared about uh, content that they don't know is going to come out of someone's mouth when either it's live or it's you know it's just f- maybe fresh. Maybe it moves back to a point where maybe it gets back to the more written formats uh, or, or refined formats for mm-hmm. some for some people or some advertisers where it'll split up a little bit. I know, I'm just spitballing, but we're at an interesting point right now, inflection point, I think, in terms of YouTube comment where we've seen it go from one avenue all the way to the other, and then top ten videos, mm-hmm. and then it's and it's just vlogs fucking react videos which is the scum of the earth you know and, and now we're getting back to to the point where it's like i think it's 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 solidifying as okay this is what youtube will probably be for the foreseeable future unless google comes out and says okay we want the, our advertisers to see this content and then creators want to gravitate towards it i think right you now know? it's a mixture of everything it's kind of like do do whatever you can with youtube you have to you know as you know you do a podcast and then you put out multiple videos a week you know as as we do um you have to get out as much content as you can and i like it to be a mixture i don't want it to only be let's plays i don't want it to be only i don't want it to be only one thing i I like it to be a mixture because i want the channel to be interesting you know it's great that we can have a movie review we can talk about a movie we can talk about you know a video game we can do a let's play we can do a live stream we can do a scripted avgn we can do uh what a board game review we can you know it's kind of all over the place. It's it's making whatever kind of content you can to entertain people. And um, I think that we did go on YouTube go through quite a period of, like, the Let's Play period. I think that's dying down a little bit right now. And I think that, it, you know, it's not dead by any means. But I, I think that it was kind of all Let's Plays for a few years where I think people might be getting a little tired of it. And I think the scripted formula is kind of on the rise again because I've noticed when uh, lately over the last year, people like scripted content seems to be doing better lately than uh, in terms of views. And I don't just mean for our channel. I've seen on other channel channels like people that actually have writers and use scripts. It's like you're watching that. They're they're more interesting. And honestly, I've always felt scripted videos were more interesting. But, you know, YouTube went into that whole um, let, let's let play mode for a while. So 
you know, you get on the Let's Play bandwagon. And, you know, at first when that started, um, I was very much like, well... Those are like lazy videos, you know. You know, you're not writing anything. There's not, there's not there's not a lot of like work that you know goes into it. But then when we started doing the let's play videos, I started to feel differently about them. Um, I, I I don't think they're as I don't think they're the devil, the the way the way I thought they were at first. Like they're fun to do, and if you can do them the right way, you can actually educate while you're doing a let's play. Sure, if you do it the right way. I think my problem always was it were. Where if you just set up a camera, play a game without knowledge, just scream and yell, and that's your content, that, that to me was always like, that is lazy content. That is simple yeah. to do. Um, that was always my yeah. issue with it. But I think uh, you can almost say that your channel has sort of followed the evolution uh, of how YouTube has gone from the refined format. You added the Let's Plays, and now you're doing a mix of everything. And I think um, you probably agree that your channel... It's probably at a, at a spot where you, you try to stay ahead of the curve and not fall too far behind, uh, because I know you 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 work hard. Um, you don't you don't take days off usually. I I, and, I, I, don't I know really. you. I, I take a few uh, days here and there, but not much. But I know that um, you try to make sure that you know views aren't lagging, and try to keep up with what's trending. But at the end of the day, do you still feel that you are doing the content that makes you happy? to do to work on and that you are you know you think it's still enjoyable to do this and to grind it out to work all this all this time you think you're still there um, you're not doing it you're not doing any content that you don't think you're just spitting out just to make sure that your channel stays relevant or that you know that people want to watch that you may necessarily want to do you know what i mean is that a tough question i don't think it's a tough question and um i think that uh, i i don't feel that way at, at all i i think all the content we're doing is content that i want to do um I, I think, you know, because we started with Angry Video Game Nerd, a lot of our audience is a retro crowd and likes us to do the retro games. And we still, we, we obviously do that all the time um, with James and Mike Mondays. And uh, we, do, we do a mixture of the retro games. And now I've gotten more into doing the modern game content. And that's not something I'm forced to do. I want to do that. I hate the idea of getting, I'm 36 now. I hate the idea of, like, I'm going to be... 50 or 55 years old and then be totally lost have no idea what's going on in the gaming industry <laughs> so so over the last four years or so i've made a conscious effort to put down super mario brothers 3 for the day Boo. and no i know and and but the thing is i played super mario brothers 3 a billion times i don't need to play it again so i'm like let me put down ninja gaiden 2 today and let me let me try out a new game so when we do that kind of content now when we try a new game it's not me just trying to keep up with the times it's me legitimately like i want to learn more about video games so when you're 56 years old and you and you look back at the retro scene and play Breath of the Wild, you'll be better prepared for it. It's like, oh, I remember when this came out on the Switch, and now we're at Nintendo uh, Zeus Machine or whatever comes out in the 2050s. You'll have a better frame of reference. And that'll help you, you think, keep your knowledge of gaming going yes. uh, regularly. Um, I just, I mean, I'm not, I'm never going to be as much of an expert on modern gaming as as I am with like Atari and NES and stuff like that, but. I don't. I also. I just don't want to be totally lost. Like when you know, in the next ten years, when somebody's talking about modern games, I want to be able to follow the fucking conversation. You know. 
Yeah, people get on me sometimes because it's like when Ian talks about the modern stuff. Obviously, even Ian stays more on, the, on top of the modern stuff than me. They're like, oh, I wish Pat would have talked about this. He has no idea what he's talking about. It's like, well, I don't play a lot of these games. I try to keep up with uh, at least the scene and, and what's going on in terms of the news. But let's talk about that. Where where do you, where do you see do you see yourself sort of following uh, the path you set out now, ten years from now? You you, you see yourself still grinding away, uh, doing. Uh, you know, a weekly let's play video or, or written format. How do you see, do you, you know, can you, can you even think about 10 years in the future or is that too much of a sort of, of thinking about 10 years in the future is, <laughs> is pretty far, but I mean, in the, in the near future, in the next four or five years, I see us generally doing what we're, what we're doing. Um, <clears throat> um, I'd like to get back to doing a little bit more AVGN videos. Uh, they, they've slowed down over the last few years um, and I, I, I don't know if it'll ever get back to doing like 24 in a year or whatever that we did <laughs> at, the, at, at the most, which we were doing at one point, but, oh, yeah. um, I'd like to get it to be a little bit more than it, than it has been. And I, I think we're on the path right now where we might get a little bit more out than we, than we've been in the last few years. So, so, so that's one thing I want to do. The angry video game nerd is really important to me. Um, like I mean, it's what launched everything that that we did. It's what we started with. So, um, like, keeping that going is important, you know. Um, but as far as all the rest of the game content, basically, as long as I can do something related to video games, whether it's live streaming, whether it's a standard review of a game, whether it's uh, a Let's Play, or whether it's something else that we develop over the next few years, whatever... If I can talk about and play video games and and, and do that, I'll, I'll be happy regardless of what the format is. You ever think about Cinemasker, the next generation? You bring up some young plucky kids, you know, some 20-year-olds to, to uh, sort of pitch in and expand the, expand the channel, expand the brand? Or is that not something you, you could see happening down the line? Um, well, whenever it's always hard bringing in new people. Um, it, you know... Uh, it, it took a long time for people to even realize who I am, um, or to be, to be comfortable at, even at all with me or, or to tolerate me. And I've, I've been, you know, helping James out with it since, well, since 2000, but, uh, since, since, since the beginning and still it's really bringing on new people for our channel is not, it's, it's tough because people really just want to see James to be honest. And well, he's, he's you can't say that now. Nowadays, you're, you're, you're on the channel so much that it's, it's, it's uh, mutated to, it's your channel, obviously, as well. You help run it, and you're the face of it as well. So at this point, all those people that complain, they, they bled out. They're gone. That's like five years ago. That's over with. That, they lost that battle. They're there to see you, too. I, th- I think once we started doing James and Mike Mondays, um, people kind of realized who James and I are as human beings and not just, hey, there's that nerd character that we see that says, you know, all these funny things. And it sort of humanized James to the people. And um, and through that, they learned who I am and, and what I do. And um, so that that's helped a lot. And I've thought of James and Mike Mondays kind of as like the reality TV version of, uh, of Angry Video Game Nerd. And it's been... Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to get together with him and, and record those and everything. But that's the point. I think we spoke about it before we started recording about channels used to be based upon w- sort of like one show or one character. Yeah. Now they've like expanded. You, like you, Pat the NES Punk. 
And people say, well, that's what the channel is starting from. Well, it's sort of changed. Now channels are based... T- times change. You can't do the same thing forever. If, if, if all you did was pat the NES punk videos... There'd be no channel. You, the channel you, would have you, you been, been dead five year, years ago. And I don't mean you, you would be dead. I mean the channel... Yeah, it, wouldn't the channel have, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have grown. Imagine no. if you didn't do the podcast... If I didn't do the podcast, the channel, I probably would. I wouldn't be. You wouldn't. You see would have me. been. You would have been screwed. I would have been out. Yeah, I would have made. I would have maybe just went into. Well, I could have just been a writer full time and tried my hand at that. Or you. Or I would have been like opened up a, a diner. Or I, I would have worked alongside Frank mowing lawns. Like who knows? But the, the point I was, I was trying to get to is that you hit upon it. Ch- channels now have changed into being based upon, I'd say, people or personalities versus just characters. Yeah, and just shows. And I think that's a natural progression of where we were at, where it went from like the original YouTube were just you know vloggers were the big people, and then you got better written content that became more maybe characters or TV shows or what have you, uh, say like a TV channel sort of mode. And now it's come back to sort of splitting the difference where maybe it's just people and you can see them acting stuff, but also it's the vlogs or the less plays and them being natural, and that's where we've sort of ended up. You know, we've sort of split the difference, maybe, uh, in, that, in that aspect. And that's where I struggle with as well. It's like, well, if I put out, if, if I start talking about politics on my channel, will I turn off people who don't want to hear me talk about politics? Or will people maybe be interested because they like my opinion about games and maybe want to hear me talk about something other than games? It's sort of that, that's where I think a lot of YouTubers are, are, are at right now. Right. Uh, there's always a philosophy where some people say, well, create a whole new channel. But it's like, well, then I got, you have to work twice as hard then to, to, to cultivate a whole second channel. Or do you worry about maybe, well, if I piss off some people, I piss off some people that want to talk about it. I think that's where a lot of YouTubers are sort of looking at right now. It's it's hard to have a a second channel because you really, there's got to be a purpose for it. And for a long time, we had a second channel, but there was no real purpose for it. So it's only been since recently that I feel like there's been a real purpose for us to even have a second channel. And that is since the whole live streaming thing has, you know, taken off. Uh, that I wouldn't want to take live streams and put them on our main channel because, you know, our main channel has videos that we work really, really, really hard on and and script out and film and things like that. And a live stream is something I could turn it on right now. I could do it in 10 minutes and then boom, done. That's what it is. So it's kind of like I don't want to mix those together. So having a second channel is a good place to put live streams, I think. Um, But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's always an option. I, I've seen YouTubers try to do a second channel, and sometimes they flounder, or sometimes they don't do nearly as well. So that's that's where I'm at right now. So like, if if I if I have this conversation, if I you know if I if it says an hour and a half, do I just upload that entirely to my main channel, and then it'll do well there because I have, I have subscribers there? Or do you start a second channel and hopefully get people to subscribe? And hey guys, check out the second channel. You do one of those announcements and go go subscribe and never get the amount of people. But then again, maybe it's better because then you know that that's the fresh people that are still around for your content you know there's something to be said for uh philosophies and, and i and i think you're always going to have those hardcore people that'll watch whatever you do sure and then you're, you're gonna have those people that only are going to watch a subset of what you do because hey i really like flea market madness or pat the nes punk but i fucking hate the podcast you have some people who say i like the podcast i hate pat the nes punk so it, it's ple- hard you can't please everybody no no absolutely not uh and but you, hey, shouldn't tr- you shouldn't try to and that's why you know we have different shows that appeal to you know, people for different reasons. Some people just come to the channel because they want to see James talk about movies. Some people, you know, just come there because, you know, they, they want to see one show. So that's why it's good that we have 
different things that we do, and so do you. Sure. Let me just just rent out your second channel to me. That's all. Anyway, um, let's talk about something you you brought up before about. I had no idea you were doing arcade live streams. How does that work? <laughs> okay, so how um, do you have you not told me about this before? This sounds fantastic. It, it it's like one of my favorite things that I do. So. <laughs> So we were talking about keeping up with the Joneses and all that and keeping up with Modern Times. So I didn't know how this whole live streaming thing was going to go because I worked on, with James on doing scripted videos. I edited Monster Madness and stuff like that. And then I hear about the, this whole Twitch thing and everybody's doing live streaming. And I'm like, what's the deal with this? I don't know if I want to do that, blah, blah, blah. So then I hear – and then Twitch is this whole other website. I, we've been on YouTube for 10 years. I, I don't know about all these other websites. And then – Finally, it's like YouTube's like, okay, well, we're, we're launching our live streaming thing, which is YouTube gaming. And I'm like, oh, that's coming out. Well, hmm, well, it's on YouTube. And if we went live on YouTube, like our actual subscribers would see it. That sounds, that sounds good. Because if we started on Twitch, we'd have to basically start from scratch. Where on YouTube, we already have an audience. Um, so, so it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. We could try it out. So YouTube... Uh, gaming launches, and I started doing live streaming. And James wanted that because um, he he's not going to do it. He doesn't have the time. He's got he can't he can hardly keep up with doing all the stuff that he does. So somebody's got to do it. So I start doing the live streams, and most of the people that go on there they're playing modern games. You see you see people live streaming. They're playing like Call of Duty, and they're playing Battlefront, and all those Le- types of games. League of Legends. <laughs> yeah, League Legends, all that stuff. And that's fine. But I'm not probably going to be playing that stuff. When when I stream, largely I'm streaming retro games. <coughs> um, sometimes I'll stream a modern game. But even when I do modern games, it's sometimes I'll do like a modern retro game, like Shovel Knight or something like that. But, um, so... One of the things, the thing that got me into video games was really arcade games. And I had that conversation with you before about going into the arcades and the roller rink as a kid and all that. And I love arcade games. And I thought, you know, nobody really does that. People are playing League of Legends and all that stuff. I'll, I'll start doing arcade live streams. And when I do those, people really, really respond well so, to it and, and they like it. So what, so what do you do? You go out to an actual arcade? You bring your phone? No. no. Like, what, how, what do you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. They're streamed on the PC. Oh, you're just streaming on an emulator. Oh, yeah, I yeah, see. yeah, yeah. I was thinking you went out to a, to the Seaside Heights Boardwalk and went to an arcade and, oh, and, no. and said something. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> That's the next step. Okay. You're just saying arcade game live stream. So, you, so you, you're booting up MAME. You're loading up like the Ghostbusters arcade game and you're playing it. And exactly. For a lot of people that never saw these games before, like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Now... In a perfect world, I would go out to the seaside boardwalk and do that, but it's not a feasible thing. Uh, you typically, um, I'm a person that I like to use the real hardware and everything. Like with NES, whenever you see me live streaming or something, I'm or always using... using the original cartridge. Sure. Whenever I'm playing a Nintendo 64 game or something, I'm using the cartridge. But with an arcade game, there's not a choice. I, I, I can't, if I want to play uh, Pong, I don't own a Pong machine. There, there, how many, you know what I mean? I don't own Space War. I don't own Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. You know, I would have to have, I'm not, you know, I'm not Galloping Ghost, you know? So, if, in a perfect world, I would use the real arcade machines. But, 
It's not a perfect world. So, uh, so yeah. So, and what's the reception been to people seeing these arcade games? They they like it. They enjoy it. They really actually like it a lot, and that makes me so happy because there's nothing I would rather do than play arcade games because uh, I love them so much. It's like my favorite thing, and so um, I've been playing. I did one of uh, the Bucky O'Hare uh, arcade. Uh, machine recently, and people really like that. I did the Aliens 1990 arcade. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, and uh, people yeah, really and these games. And these that. games. What's important about that is a lot of these games were never ported over to another system, which is fascinating. So, like for a lot of people, like they, oh, we're seeing Ninja Turtles arcade. It was never on another system uh, when it, back in the day, or something like Simpsons or Alien vs Predator, which was one of the best beat 'em ups ever. And, and it, I actually like, did one today. Um, that same thing you're talking about, uh, Ninja Baseball Batman. Oh, okay. You know, and that's a game that should have been on. It wouldn't wouldn't it have been great if Ninja Baseball Batman would have been ported to Super Nintendo or Sega sure. Genesis? Um, so doing stuff like that, and like the Bucky O'Hare arcade game, which is not like Bucky O'Hare on NES. It's a beat 'em up side scroller yes. game. Um, doing games like that, uh, people are really interested in it because it's. It's something different, and they're not getting that anywhere anywhere else, really. I mean, I'm sure there's channels on YouTube that are that do arcade stuff, but oh, sure. not not a lot of people, especially some of the you know bigger channels, aren't really covering that kind of stuff. A lot of people are covering. It's basically PewDiePie is not going to be pa- playing Bucky O'Hare the arcade machine. Probably not. Yeah, Pe- PewDiePie's gone into a much different direction lately. We won't get <laughs> right. <laughs> You know what? I don't really watch a lot of his videos. I, I don't know what he does, but I I I figured he pl- he he plays games. I don't know. Uh, he he he's gone to more trying to do commentary and be controversial, and that's wh- and that's why he's, that's why he's gotten into trouble. You probably I don't watch forget. a lot of. I honestly don't watch a lot of other YouTubers that much. No, so that's like Ian. Ian doesn't even watch YouTube. He doesn't even watch my stuff. Ian. He's like, I was like, oh Ian, did you see me talk about this in the podcast? He's like, no, I didn't. I'm like, dude, it's your podcast too. In all honesty, your podcast is one of the few things that I, that I watch on YouTube to, because. What, you know, I do all this. I film all these videos Monday through Friday. All I'm doing is filming and working on videos. So when I finally get time to sit down and watch something, I'm not watching stuff on YouTube. I go. I'm like I've been watching like American Horror Story. I've been watching sure. Walking Dead. I've been watching. I watch horror movies and I watch like t- TV shows and stuff. I don't watch YouTube. I, I've been watching a lot of. Uh, well, it's on YouTube. A lot of clips of uh, Shark Tank. For some reason, that show is fascinating to me. All the investors. Talking about new businesses and getting into it, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, but it's but it's not something that's a really a YouTube video. It's TV. You're, you're you're right. I'm the same way. It's like I I want to be divorced from it a little bit for part of the time. And by the yeah. way, I don't have anything against um, any of the content creators on YouTube. It's not and it's not that I wouldn't watch it. It's just that I'm always like on there. Sometimes I just want to get away from the computer and I want to go like go to the movie theater and get out of the house and go have a life. You know, eh, what's a life, right? Yeah, <laughs> God forbid. Um, so, 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 what do, what do you have lined up in the near future? It's just just grinding away, grinding, <laughs> grinding away. So, uh, in the near future, um, there's some projects. There's some actually really big projects that I'm working on um, that oh. I could t- that I could tell you off off camera. But oh, that, boo! Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't like to. You know, we've we've never liked to create hype. If if you ever noticed, um, we don't t- usually give away like what the next nerd episode is. Usually, they just come out and it's like, oh, sure. there's that because um, 
The reason we don't do that is, I think we did that once or twice where we said beforehand, I, I want to say, I want to say like Superman 64 or Fester's Quest or something like that. We, we said beforehand, we were like, okay, the next nerd episode is Fester's Quest. I don't remember if it was that one, but mm-hmm. th- that happened. And then everybody built up all this hype and we were getting comments and emails and Fester's Quest, this and that. And then the video came out and it was like, eh, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. You know, sure, because people are building up in their mind. They think, okay, he's going to talk about this or have this joke yeah. for this. And then, and... He, and then James doesn't do it, and then it's not as good. So since then, we don't – and that's why I'm not going to tell you the big projects that I'm working on because then people say, oh, it's that. He's gonna, they're going to do this. And then it's not going to be the way you want it, you think it's going to be, and then it's going to be disappointing. But definitely scripted AVGN stuff you're talking about that's going to be in the future. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, okay, mm-hmm. well, fair, fair enough. Uh, I'll get it. I'll get it out of you off off camera. I'll, I'll Has nothing to do with pork roll, though. We don't. We don't think it's having anything to do with pork roll. <laughs> so uh, other other than pork roll, <laughs> you know how that started the whole pork roll thing? <laughs> because I know why. Because James is always talking about pork roll. He was talking to pork about pork roll to me the other day. Well, yes, but how it originally originally started? How it originally started? Tell me about was, pork roll. Well, when we went out, when I first, the the first, when we shot the NWC video, the AVGM video, and that was like six years ago already. Holy shit, I'm old. 2011. We had pork roll and and eggs for breakfast because I'm on the West Coast now, and it's hard to get pork roll. It's a regional thing. It's like Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. You got to come back to the East Coast, man. Well, I'll be back in June for too many games. We should hang out a little bit. Um, And maybe before that, we'll see. There's actually a pork roll festival in May, by the way, that me and James found out about. I swear to God, there's a pork roll festival. (laughs) Anyway, but actually, okay, as an aside, I can get pork roll now, which is dangerous, though. My, lo- my One of my local uh, grocers actually carries it, uh, which is like, I was like shocked, so they have to have it imported. But anyway, so I would always eat pork roll if I, if I came out and saw James, like the once every year and a half, whatever, we'd come out and film something or, or visit, I'd have pork roll. So when we filmed the Bayou Billy, um, the Bayou Billy uh, crossover... Uh, no, no, no. The, the ABGM. It's actually. It was actually the. Oh, that's right. It wasn't one of the charity. That's right. That's right. We, and we split it one video on, on your channel, one on mine. Uh, the crossover, uh, which I thought that was a pretty good video. I don't know if you thought about it. I, I thought it, was, it was okay. But um, we had pork roll again before we filmed that. So then I ad libbed the pork roll line that showed up in the video, and then James wasn't expecting it. So after that. For somehow it was worked into every one of the ABGN charity videos every year. <laughs> and the last video, he just blew it up. Or, like, the whole thing was about pork roll. You call it, like, Pat's pork roll video. Or you see the last charity video from, from uh, November? So, so, just... <laughs> so what, what, like, okay, I'm from New Jersey originally. I grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. I'm, okay, my, my mom's side was German. My dad's side was so Romanian. was mine. My mom, my mom's side was half German. But I grew up in New Jersey, and I grew up. I would go to the grocery store, and I would go to the whatever the frozen aisle or whatever it was, buy the yogurt and all that, and they'd have all the ta- the white and red Taylor pork roll boxes. And I, sometimes, you know, we pick them up, bring them home, we eat them. I like Taylor pork roll, but what? Why are we talking about Taylor? What does this have to do? What, what's the deal? What do you mean? I just told what, you the deal. We just like deal? pork roll. What's the deal with Taylor pork roll? What's the deal with pork roll? <laughs> it's just a goofy regional thing that I guess me and James have bonded over. I don't know. 
that's all. It's just a good. Well, it it is a good. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm going to be honest. Like, if I wasn't probably local to New Jersey, James probably would never talk to me when I originally met him. I'm like, hey, I'm from New Jersey too. We're about the same age, and he's probably like, oh, okay, you're not totally crazy. Because when I first met James, it was I think I told you the story before. It was SGC 2010. And that's when we first really met, and he sort of knew, like, okay, here's a guy that kind of does videos that aren't awful. And again, I was shocked that he saw my videos. Like, I, I said, I said, hey, James, we're both going to be at SGC. Here's, like, some of my videos. And he actually watched them and said, oh, this is pretty good. You know, and that's how I did. But I think that was one of the things we bonded over. Well. We're both from New Jersey. Not a lot of YouTubers from there. You were you were one of the first guys that did that kind of thing. Porker? There was, there was really, there was, <laughs> there was really you, there was James, and there was Sean Baby. From what I remember. In terms of like old video retro content? Yeah. Like people that people that people knew online that With a comedic twist to it a little bit? The, the, yeah, that did like NES reviews with comedy, I guess. And I want to know from you, because I obviously I know all about how the thing with James had. When you started doing like the comedic NES stuff online... How did, how did it start? So basically what happened was this, is that I did uh, some film stuff in college. Obviously, I always collected uh, games since I've been collecting games for now for like 20 years. 20 years. I started recollecting in my, in my te- late teens after I sold everything and got it back. Um, okay. And then so what, when YouTube started getting to be like a thing, we'll just say 2006, definitely by 2007, I was like, okay, this is a thing now. Uh, obviously, I saw James's videos uh, probably let's see, late 2006 when he had like the Friday the Thirteenth and the Freddy Krueger uh, Nightmare on Elm Street ones. Um, that's when he started to get bigger. Uh, then, so I saw these. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I didn't think about like that was sort of ingenious because it was like, well, he's he's taking these older games and no one really talked about the crappy games when we were kids. No one talked about them. So it was interesting that he saw that there was some some value in talking about. Well, then again, I don't think Friday the 13th is that terrible. But talking about the games that I really I think, don't like that game. Um, I actually okay, I, I actually like Nightmare on Elm Street a lot. Uh, uh, N- for, Nightmare on Elm Street's awesome. Yeah. yeah, but it was interesting that he was taking a different approach. Where let's talk about, uh, and yes, I had read Sean Baby's site ever since I might you know early twenties, late you know late, late teens, um, and I, it was so it was one of the weirdest things ever to meet Sean Baby and actually talk to the guy. It was like one of my hero moments, and now I, I see him like once or twice a year at events. Anyway, but um. It was interesting. I thought that James was doing that, and so from my, my perspective at the time, I was like, "Let's see if I can throw in a little bit of knowledge from my side if I try to do videos, and try to be goofy as well, which I'm, I'm sort of a goofy character." And that's pretty much how it started. But I almost quit after the second video. I sort of didn't find my groove uh, for for like the third or fourth video. The second video I did was like Three Stooges, and it's like I can't go back and watch that video because it was like I was either you can tell that I was either at the time like I didn't know what I was doing. I was just it's, it's, stuff it can be the hard wall. to go back and look at your early content, or I, or maybe at the time with my day job beating the shit out of me, I didn't have the energy to do it, or or really sometimes you, when you look back at your videos, like wow, I really had nothing to say that was either humorous at the time. Then again, there's a lot that happens. The, in the eight question, years. the question though, is what sparked you originally to do the first video? Was it because the the, the actual spark, and I think you can still find the video was. Uh, looking at shitty videos that were on YouTube about retro games. Uh, and there was one in particular that's still probably out there. You probably, if you probably searched by chronological order, someone reviewed like Three Stooges. And you can tell that they just recorded it with like a you know screen capture in like 2006 or seven, whatever. I know what you're going to say. And, you're going to say because you knew you could do a better job. Yes. 
like they were just you can hear like they record recording with those like long stem gateway 2000 microphones you can hear them clicking the keys on the keyboard so you knew it wasn't even playing on an nes or even like a decent emulator and, you, at the and time. you're like and, you're like fuck this guy i'm gonna show him how and, to do a three stooges review and not just trying <laughs> to be funny but not knowing that, like, what the fuck? Like, he didn't, the person didn't even have the wherewithal to look up the fact that this was based upon short films from 50 years ago, oh 60 God, years ago. Yeah. So it was just like, it was hitting all the wrong spots me because I love Three Stooges. Me too. I love Three Stooges. I think I have that in common with you and James. Um, and, and then I love N- Nintendo. And, I, and you have to be someone informative when you do these videos. There's a huge YouTuber out there that. Uh, did a video. I won't get into the specifics, but I uh, not that I confronted them, but I, I point out that hey, you were factually incorrect on this. This like this is a pretty big fact to be wrong about for your game review. It was one of the last times I talked to the person. Like it was like one of those things where like they they took an offense to it. But I think you have to, even if you're being comedic, you have to try your best to be to be. Um, to be truthful and, and just try to be accurate and try to even, not saying you have to be an expert, but try your best. Do your due diligence to know what you're talking about when you're doing those videos. Because he like said, it's also history besides being comedic. And that's kind of how I start. I figured I could at least do as crappy as that video. And I, I think that's the more important part. Uh, like getting all that right and getting the history right and knowing what you're talking about. And well, you know what? Having it, I shouldn't say that because. If it's not entertaining, then it's then it doesn't work either. That, that's the thing. Like if, if like it, like let's just say that you know if, if James just did videos that were totally informative, would they have been successful? Yes, to the extent they are now, probably not. You know, like he created an iconic character. He did. Yeah. What the, the the question I would ask though is that if he did that today, would it take off? Like if he started right today with that, like it, it, it sometimes there's a moment in time where something just works for like the, the zeitgeist and pop culture where there probably it, is something to that. It probably was because of the moment in time and whatever. And I think it's so a lot of times, like I'm, I'm old school. Like I was like one of the last people to get like a cell phone and me too. <laughs> and like, you know me, like I got, I got my stack of Atari games over there and everybody's playing like fucking, um, dark souls three, you know, and I'm, pl- I'm playing like, Carnival, Pitfall, Pitfall Two, and <laughs> Carnival, right? So the fact that I was I was like quick on finding YouTube and, t- and telling James about it is weird because because um, usually I'm not like up on technology. I just happen to be like, oh, here's this cool YouTube thing, and then and then I I I ripped the three videos off the site. I James had given me copies on on VHS cuz he's I'm the one that he showed Simon's Quest to and all that. So I had them, but um the files were on the website on Cinemassier and I just I found YouTube and I was like, "Oh, this works really well." And I downloaded the three videos um or two videos or whatever it was, the two or three videos that it was at the time. I think it was the, the trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was those three videos. I downloaded them. I I went online and I typed I just typed in I'm like okay, because I was literally thinking I'm just going to send this to James to show him how you how this how thing functions, yeah. and I'm like okay, James Nintendo nerd, type it in whatever, and then I sent it to James. I sent James an email. I'm like, hey James, look how this works. It's so it's so much, it loads so much better than QuickTime movies, and then he sees he sees it. And he's like, oh yeah, we should start using that more. Here we are, 11 years later, talking about this shit. It's nuts, right? It's absolutely it's, it's nuts. N- it's nuts. It's interesting. It's interesting because it was one of those things where it didn't click to me. Where oh, maybe you can use YouTube to do like short films, uh, because I had tried to do a couple of short films before that. You know, entered into film festivals, things like that. But 
it's, I guess it's how technology sort of clicks with people, right? Because there was live streaming before video game live streaming. There was people mm-hmm. like Justin TV and Ustream existed, and people just used it for whatever. Then it clicked where someone's like, oh, I'm going to use that for video games. And then it blows yeah. up, and then uh, Justin TV goes away and just becomes Twitch. Yeah, just just, Justin by- TV and Twitch and all that stuff. So another, yeah. another reason like people say, like, oh, well, why didn't you stream on Twitch? It's like, you know... I just told you about like how like we literally we started on YouTube. Had we not had YouTube, we would have been nothing without YouTube. Like Angry Video sure. Game Nerd and YouTube go together hand in hand. Like he's, <laughs> we're one of the first YouTubers, you know. And uh, like I feel I feel sort of a, an affinity uh, to. to to YouTube, like you it, have brand I, loyalty. <laughs> I, yeah, like like if it hadn't been for YouTube, we wouldn't be here. Like, so I'm not. I don't want to go to some other website. I want to be on YouTube. It's interesting that of all this, all the other websites, the aggregate websites, you know, it's like you come back to YouTube, right? You have you have game sites like Game Trailers that go under eventually. Sites like Screw Attack get bought out, you know, and, and they sort of dissipate. But you always go back to, I guess, the the, the granddaddy, right? Big old Google's YouTube. Well, game trailers needed to happen though because um, there, the first year of the nerd, um, we were we were working at a video editing thing, and like th- those videos were just getting done like after work. There'd be like a few hours after work, and we'd go home and read. It'd be me and James doing the fucking putting the mask on and doing the whole, you know, whatever, recording the videos. Uh, like Friday the Thirteenth and all that stuff. It was we do it after work, and then um, it got to the point where it's like, well, if James is going to do this for a living, well, like he's got to get paid for it. And the YouTube Partner Program networks, oh, all that, that stuff. It was that, awful that back then. Well, yeah. it didn't even exist at that at that point, and it didn't. It wasn't until James was on game trailers for like a year or so that any of that even started happening. Ads and networks and things like that didn't even exist. So at the point that point in time, game trailers and that whole thing was really uh, it had to, it had to happen, or the nerd series couldn't have continued. It was your only option. It was the you, only option at the you, time. You, it's like wow, they're going to actually pay us to make these videos. Y- yeah. So it yeah. was it was crazy, but um, yeah. A long time so, ago now. Yeah, because because Game Trail, you haven't had the videos on Game Trail for what three four years now. Um, it's been a while. I remember when we brought it back to the channel was the Schwarzenegger Games episode was the first one where we were back on YouTube again. Wow, and that was that was episode like one oh five or six or something like that. It just shows you sort of the I guess the evolution of the industry as well. Where when once YouTube became the place for you know. All, all, for, your, for your game trailers, you have all these companies create their own, you know, like, why does Konami need to go through game trailers? Konami can have their own YouTube channel, just upload directly. And that was really the death the, the death knell, f- knell for uh, for game trailers, when it's like, well, we're not really providing a different service. We have our own shows, yes, but, hell, we can just put our own shows on YouTube. Well, the whole, <laughs> thing, is, the whole thing is kind of death for things like E3, I think. Because like that's all. Oh, E three is going to be gone. Like, or it's going to it's going to contract. It's going to contract. Elliot, it should be gone. It's going to contract back to where it used to be. Because uh, once you have uh, people like Nintendo saying, "Well, our presence is going to be smaller," and Nintendo does their own, you know, basically Nintendo used to do their live events at E three. They'd rent out the Nokia Theater. Now they just do their Nintendo Directs. You know, a few times a year, like, "Oh, here's our stuff coming out," and they reach more people. You don't need to be at a trade show. Why should they go to? California and set up this big 
expensive, uh, like mm-hmm. elaborate, probably hundred thousand, however many dollars. They got to rent rent the space. They got to pay the people. They got to make all make, make all the. And when Nintendo does that stuff in the past, I mean, they go all out. They have they got to fly out like Reggie and Ryu, Miyamoto, and they got they got to do all this shit and spend all this money when they could take the trailer and put it on YouTube, and it would do them just as much good. Or they make those Nintendo Directs. They just produce a little slick short video with with their gameplay, and that's what they do now. Yes. You know, so. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and yeah, and now I think they've bypassed, because it's, I, I hate using the mainstream media, they're calling it legacy media, like, you know, big sites like IGN or GameSpot, where, yes, it's good to get the information out through those websites, but, they're, they're, you know, they're finding that the audiences are just as big uh, if we just get a, some YouTubers. We'll just fly them out to, they can see the games themselves. Yeah. And that's what, that's what they do. We give hey, them early I know somebody who will promote their games. <laughs> wait, wait, who's going to do what? Who's got to do what? <laughs> I'm just I'm just messing around. Oh, you're trying you're trying you're trying to get a you're trying to I'm get chilling. A, a free flyover out yeah. to uh, see a, a game. Uh, Nintendo invited me out to an event for the Switch. I, unfortunately, it was short notice. I couldn't make it though. Uh, but it would have been nice. They were, they were showing stuff a few weeks back in uh, in L.A. Damn it! I wish I was closer to L.A. Uh, for I stuff. got a question for you. Oh, so um, do you have the Switch? No, I don't. I still haven't got one. I still and can't find them. Do you have any interest in it? And playing it, or... yeah, oh yeah, I bought I bought Breath of the Wild because uh, Amazon Prime twenty percent off, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll save twenty percent. I'm gonna get the Switch eventually. So I so yeah, I have it. I have the I have the game sitting there. I should have just bought it on the Wii U though, because it's like the same game. James got it on Wii U, and yeah, it, it is pretty much the same game. <coughs> um, do you think that I? What do you think about Nintendo? I mean, this is a question that like. This is a tough question because there's probably a million different answers and a million different ways it can go. Okay. But, like, through the years, like, I think the NES, maybe the Super Nintendo, and the Wii were the, the, the Nintendo's most best-selling consoles, right? If, the you, NES if, you, don't, the if you don't if you don't count handhelds, sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not counting hand. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking consoles here. Um, pretty much, though, isn't the graph kind of going down for how much money they're making off of consoles? Well, in terms of market share, for sure, because there's so much more competition. I mean, with the NES, it was right after the video game crash, so they were, if, if they were successful, everything else in the past was a failure. Like, like the 7800 and the 5200 and ColecoVision and Television, they all died out. So the NES had 90% market share uh, before the Genesis started to come and eat it up. Uh, Super Nintendo was still strong because uh, the Nintendo was strong, but then again, by that point, you had the Genesis out and the TurboGrafx-16. So yes, you're going to have less market share. And then they, they screwed up with the N64 by not having it be, uh, you know, disc-based. And then the PS1 overtakes it, and, you know, and sells more. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be a, a downward trend. And nowadays, you have you have so much more entertainment devices like tablets and mobile devices. And there's so much more. There's so much more ways to get instant entertainment now versus just a video game console. So, of, so of course, it's going to drop. And here's course. the thing. Like, how... How good can Mario look? Well, he's like a cartoon character. He can always look better. If you look at N sixty four versus Wii and Wii U, it, it, it gets better. I think. I think. But I, but I mean, now with the Switch, the Mario Odyssey, and, and like his mustache has hairs and stuff. It's like, <laughs> wh- like okay, maybe they can get it still to look like a little bit better. But like, well, how much further can we go with this? Well, that's the question to ask for. Do you want to get photorealistic games ever? Like, is, are you a proponent of that? I personally am not. Like, do you want uh, Grand Theft Auto Six or Seven by Tom Ginter to look like me and you talking? 
Like, do you want that? Like, I personally don't want that. I, think, I like 8-bit style games. Oh, okay, I understand that, but you're not the main audience. <laughs> we're not the main video game audience now. We are the 1% of video game audience. Like, we're talking about the, the, the teenagers and the 20-year-olds and the kids. They want bigger and better tech. It's like when we were kids, were we okay with sticking with the, the NES? Or, oh my god, Super Nintendo looks amazing. You know, it's, it's, it is the same sort of... You know what, though? I don't, I don't only like 8-bit style games. I actually played uh, through Dark Souls, and I loved it. I thought it was an awesome game. And for a game like that, I want the graphics to be as good as possible. Sure. But when I'm thinking, like, I don't know. When but I it's not Nintendo, just... I think, like, top-down, like, uh, Zelda, I know. Like... I know. That's why, you know, if you were running the company, they wouldn't make any money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just about graphics. It's about processing power. So, like, something like Breath of the Wild, huge open world... You you couldn't have done that on the you know GameCube or you could have done that on the Wii. Did did know. Link Between Worlds not do well? Uh, I don't know, but again, that's a different aesthetic. That that's not going to sell as well as Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild is a modern game and modern gaming is a bigger audience overall. You know, like just over that's just the way it is. I, and and I agree with you. So why is it they have Breath of the Wild, but then their other games are like Blaster Master? And like well, fucking a, well, Blaster Masters, Sonic, 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 Sonic Mania, which are like eight bit, which are like sixteen bit type games. But that's not Nintendo published games. Though. That's those are independent games. So but they are, but like that, but but those are the games that are readily available on the new system. Because Wait, it, why don't they have more like? Because they rushed out the system to get it out in March. That's why. Thank you. There's the truth. Yes. I mean, everyone's... Yeah, they needed to have a new system out to make money because the Wii U's been dead for over a year and the 3DS sales have uh, stagnated because the 3DS has been out for five years. They needed yeah. to get the system out in March. They could have waited until the summer. Right. They could have waited until the fall, but their gambit was, we need to start making money now. This is the start of our fiscal year and people are going to probably buy this Breath of the Wild because Breath of the Wild could have come out on the Wii U last year. They pushed it back. I mean, it worked out. It worked out business way. It was a brilliant business move because without 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 Breath of the Wild, no one bought the system. It would have been a failure out of the gate. It would have been like the 3DS. When the 3DS first came out, no one bought it until that winter because there was no games for it and it was too pricey. But now, now once you get to April, you get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That'll sell well. Uh, Splatoon 2 is going to sell very uh, not very well, but well enough. It's going to drip, 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 drip until the fall, and then it'll be okay. So, so explain Mario Kart 8 Deluxe to me, because didn't most people already play Mario Kart 8? Well, most people? The, the Wii U did not do great. Oh, well, that's true. So, like, that's true. The Wii U only sold about, what, 10 or 11 million worldwide, right? Okay. So they're going to get so it you, all- So you think more people will play Mario Kart 8 Deluxe than, than played Mario Kart 8 with Wii U? At least the same amount. At least, okay. because you're going to have a lot of people that have bought the Switch that, that skipped over the Wii U, uh, and plus the portability factor is huge. So, because for me, for me, it's hard to get excited about it because it's like I've played that game already. I, I, I know I, it's going to have some new stuff. I understand that, but it's going to look better. It's going to include all the DLC. Uh, they did the two DLC packs, and plus there's going to have a, uh, a battle mode in it this time, which wasn't in the original. They're going to do the old school battle mode. There was know, a battle mode, but it blew. Yes, so I think they're going to do they're going to do like the actual battle mode tracks, not just the which they should have done that initially. So it's going to be not that's why it's only deluxe. It's not like you know Mario Kart Nine. That'll still probably come out in a few years. Like that'll come out. Every Nintendo console has to have a Mario Kart on it. Like I did a video about Mario Kart Eight when it first came out, and my complaint was, why does the battle mode suck so hard? Yeah, because you just had it on the regular tracks, right? It was. I mean, what's the point? 
they were too yeah. not too you don't want to say too lazy, but they maybe they did, they didn't see that as a big selling point, so they didn't bother to do it all the way. Which it's I, like which the, is wrong. It's like the part when you get together with people at parties. Like, that's what you do. You play Mario Kart 64 and you battle, like, in the block fort. So, Mario Kart 8 only sold, and I say only because it only sold 7.35 million. Mario Kart on the Wii sold about 40. It was the biggest game on the Wii. That's a disgusting. Oh, I, I like that game. But the point uh, is, Mario that's Kart. an. I love Mario Kart 8. I mean, it's a great game. But, oh, no, it's, it is awesome. But that drop off is. That's despicable. Like, that's just. A, that's because no one bought the Wii U. So my th- I guess my problem is maybe I'm spoiled because of the NES and Super Nintendo because when those systems were out like we had we had new games all the time there was there wasn't like <sighs> well here's the thing according to a certain NES guidebook you can look about when games came out on the NES the NES for the first year didn't have many games you had the 30 black box games and you had 10 third party games until all till the beginning of 87 you only had 40 games out. So a lot of times these systems come out. I think when the PS3 came out, I remember people being disappointed by the, the number of uh, exclusive games, and it wasn't that strong when it first, first came out. So I right. think nowadays companies just want to get the hardware out there and then worry about the trickle later on. But the, like, Do you think it, it just takes longer now? And it's, like it's more money because the games are so much more complicated to make that they make less games? No. I mean, I mean, I mean companies are making less quantity or less games overall? What do you mean? Because I feel like when I, when I think about, like, Super Nintendo, I think, like, okay, you had F-Zero, and you had Pilot Wings, and you had, you know, Super Metroid, and you have Turtles in Time. I, I, could, I could literally list, like, a bazillion yeah, games for the system. But, and, then, and then what – it's like, okay, we got Breath of the Wild, and I'm not going to count Blaster Master because it's, like, 8-bit. And, the, the, and 8-bit – it's a great game. Blaster Master is great, but it's not, like, a modern game. Sure, they're independent games, which come out in all yeah. systems. Well, we look at the Super Nintendo, it only had five launch titles. So, right. it had to survive for the first six months, but those were extremely good launch titles. But it had five launch titles, it didn't have one. Well, no, no, no. The, the, the Switch doesn't have one. It, it has multiple. It has one, two Switch. Um, you have stuff like, I, yeah, Just Dance you don't care about. Bomberman's is supposed to be pretty good. So it's not just one. I, okay, it has, it, has, it has one that I consider to be a real game. A, okay, that's your definition of what's a real game. <laughs> I think 1-2 Switch looks fun. I just think charging 50 bucks for it's insane. It should have been a pack-in title. Or a, or a budget title. I don't title. have a problem with any of those games. Those are all fine, but it's like... They're not even on the same like level. There's, there's like Breath of the Wild, and then there's like all the other stuff. Okay. Here, here's the Super Nintendo launch titles. You have the five-star game, Super Mario World. Right. Right? Yeah. SimCity is not on the same level. It's a good game. I don't think it's on the same level. It's still a good, okay. good game. Okay, that's fair. Pilot that's a fair Wings, point. Is a, I think, is a good game. Not nearly on the same level. Gradius okay. 3 is a good game. It's not Super Mario World. It's not a killer. And then F-Zero is not a killer title either. Okay. So you, you, these are very good games, but you have one killer title, right? Look at those. Yeah. Are, look at the original what, 16, what is it, 16 to 18 NES games that launched. Um, you had the killer title, Super Mario Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you had a bunch of other ones that weren't as strong. Ian loves Clue Clue Land. That's not a killer game. No, it's it's not as strong, yeah. Ice Climber's not a killer game. No, you know? that's true. So it's like, Gyromite's not a killer game. So you're always going to have those games that I think people just be like, okay, this is a nice secondary title, but maybe not a, a game that I have to play. You know what okay. I mean? Like, do you, you know have what? You know to, what? That's do you have very to, good. You... Like, even though like I love Excitebike... 
Mm-hmm. It's not a, to me a great great game. It's a very good game. You know, like it's not like a game where you like you can play it. Kung Fu. I love Kung Fu though. Like, right. So there's it, it varies, but that's maybe that's it's rare, harder. Though. Maybe it's just harder looking back because when I look back in my mind, I'm thinking. Link to the Past, Super Metroid. But those weren't games that came out within the first couple they, of years. Though. Yeah, they didn't come out. They, yeah, it, yeah. it took a while to get them out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you're going to look back at the Switch. Like, let's see what the first year and a half of the Switch does. And you'd be like, you'll, you'll lump together uh, Mario Kart Deluxe, Splatoon 2 will, will sell well. You'll lump together, obviously, Breath of the Wild. And then that Mario Odyssey game will probably fly off the shelves in the winter. Like they better, yeah, Mario Odyssey will do it. So they better get that game out for Christmas because that'll sell the system. Like, the, like they'll sell more. Like they, they just doubled the amount of production. They thought that okay, we're going to produce eight million, but because of the strong uh, opening, they're going to produce sixteen million worldwide this right. year. That's a lot for a first year of sales, especially for especially, the, the thing. The thing is, when December comes along, every kid is going to want the Switch with Mario Odyssey. Yes, every kid, which is why it has to come out by then. Like they have to rush that out. I mean, Nintendo's not Nintendo's great though, making sure that they put out games that don't require a lot of you know uh, shit that has to be patched or they don't put out broken first title games. They just don't. Uh, they make sure it's it's done well. So right now the launch titles, so launch windows like December. But if they make sure that comes out like right after Thanksgiving, holy shit, is that going to move? Like that'll sell the system. Like they'll put out, they can put out a bundle for like three fifty, you know, like their special Super Mario Odyssey bundle. They'll sell millions of those. Like, so they're in a good position. Have the Metroid games not been selling well or some, something? Because why the hell haven't they done like a modern Super like Super like what was the last? Basically, what they did with what with Breath of the Wild, but do it with Metroid. Like, the, was how, the, why was, aren't they doing? What that? was the last Metroid game? It was on the Wii? Other M, right? It, yeah. it, it did. It got very good reviews, but it wasn't like fantastic reviews. That was what 2010. That was. I mean, it's time. like as because it doesn't it come down to how much money they're making off of it, whether or not they're gonna do another one. You know, I, I think, kind of. I mean, it's a business. Uh, well, that came out in the middle age of the Wii, or closer to the end. That was 2010, middle of 2010. So the Wii had already been out for uh, four years by that point. I don't know. I think you'll see again. I, I think they're gonna go to the well, though. I think. A portable. I think they're looking at what's also going to be good to have a, be a, a portable experience because you know the Switch is first a portable system. Well, they're mm-hmm. not used to be portable, but you know what games do you want to take on the road with you? Like Mario Kart Eight and having the little Joy Cons. That's that's to me is awesome. You could yeah, no, that is people, really cool. You know, you can have a, a tablet and have two players with a little Joy Con. Um, uh, obviously, Breath of the Wild. People are saying this is great. I'm playing it on a plane for a few hours, playing like a triple A title. I mean, I play my 3DS on the plane. But there's just between a 3DS title and Breath of the Wild. I mean, that's a huge difference. Breath of the Wild. Let, let's talk a little bit about the game. So, have you played it at all or much? No, I saw. I don't okay. have a Switch yet. I got to find a Switch. <laughs> oh, I thought you said. I thought you said that you also got it for the Wii U. No, no, I said I could have got it for the Wii U. But oh, I'm you just... could have got it for the Wii U. Oh, yeah, okay, I, can, I can buy okay. it. But uh, but it looks very impressive. I think it's brilliant that they did an open world Zelda game. I think that's brilliant. I think it's the right time for that. Obviously. Obviously, this is a game that's been developing for like five years, um, and they kept pushing it back, and they pushed it back because of the Switch, obviously, to make sure people right. buy it. Um, I really like the game a lot, and I really like the, the the one of the main things that I like about Breath of the Wild is that it calls back to the original game. in In the original game, uh, the mountain is called Spectacle Rock when you go to level that's nine. That's right. That's right. And in this game, not to ruin anything for you, but this game, there's Spectacle Rock in this game. And there's other things, like uh, from in the original game, you have Lionels on the top of the mountain. 
this game, there's Lionels. They did a lot of throwbacks to the original game where I, I felt like in the last 10, 15 years, whenever you see a Zelda throwback to anything, it always goes back to Ocarina of Time. Everything's sure. Temple of Time and the Nintendo 64 well, game. And I, lo- I love that game. I love Ocarina of Time. But being somebody that's been a fan of the Zelda franchise since the NES days, it's really nice that they, they're going back to the roots like that. Well, this is closer to the original game in terms of open exploration, right? You can do things out of order. You don't have to... Yes. Because a lot of those games that came along with Zelda were like, you have to do this little quest now, then you do that one, then you do that one. This is more like, all right, play how you want again. Like Legend mm-hmm. of Zelda, you can play how you want for the, for the most part. Over overall, it's a, it's it's a great game. I'm not I'm not sure how much I'm in love with the rotating of the dungeon maps. I think that's a little weird to me. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, but the other thing, the game is a little sparse on music, and I, I understand that that was a design choice by uh, sure. by the team. And and part of me likes it. Part of me is like, oh, it's kind of cool to have like sort of the atmospheric. You hear sure. bugs and crickets and stuff. So I I do kind of like it. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like, where's, like, the overworld theme? You're going into the dungeon and you want to hear... Oh, yeah. I understand that. But then it's like, you're playing this game for 150 hours. Do you really want that theme to be looping constantly? No, no. No, absolutely. You you don't. Absolutely. But what I was thinking, and this is an idea I had, when when you play the game, um, you have your swords and shields, you have your food, you have... Um, the different things you can scroll through, like uh, you, you know, your shields and your armor and all this different stuff. And this is in the menu. One thing that I feel like they should add is like maybe a, like a little musical note. And if you click on that, you could select from all the previous Zelda soundtracks um, from all the previous games, and maybe select. You could go through. I don't know. Pick pick like. Uh, Hyrule Field from Majora's Mask or something like that, or or Ocarina of Time, and uh, and then that music can play, and then you could t- you could turn it on and off whenever you want. Okay. The same the same way you could uh, you know you can pick between your shields. You, okay, Link can bring up the wood shield, or he can bring up the metal shield, or hey, whatever. DLC, you know, you, you know exactly. they can update it. Maybe that's I not a bad idea. <laughs> I would buy that, and and I understand like sometimes it wouldn't be fitting. Like if you're in the water temple and you're playing like the high rule field music okay well that doesn't fit well then you can turn it off so it, it would just be an option uh, all right well send your send your letter to uh, miyamoto and <laughs> you're like oh so this, is, that- this is brilliant we're going to give you royalties on this dlc we're going to give you five percent right. from every sale <laughs> i don't know so that, that was just my thought but but it, it, it's a good game Oh, no, I can't wait to get the Switch. It looks great. I'm going to hold out for the red and blue one, though, because I want to be snobby and get the colorful one that's a little harder to find. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I can buy them used. I can buy them off a of scalp right now for, like, 360 or so, 375 but I, I just want to buy from the store. I don't want to get, I don't want to get killed by, from some of them on Craigslist. I just don't want to do that. <laughs> but, um, but they're shipping more and more of them. I missed out on, I think, Amazon stocked more yesterday, and they sell out in, like, five minutes, and it's like you have to have that alert set, and you got to get it. You know, but they're going to flood the market in the next month because of Mario Kart 8. They're, they're going to have to get a ton out uh, in April because uh, I think it comes out later in April, Mario Kart 8. They're going to do that. They're going to they're gonna really pump these out. Um, and they fixed the Joy- and they already fixed the Joy-Con issue, which is good. So Here's something good. everybody stopped talking about, but I want to know your opinion at this point. The NES Classic. They're still making them, but they're, 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 they're such a small, small trickle that I'm very disappointed uh, about that because I think... They wanted to have something out for the holiday season, right? But maybe they didn't want people to be distracted with that and really wanted to gear up for the Switch. But they could have sold 10 million of those. 
yeah, for yeah. for Christmas if they really pushed it. I mean, they could have. They could have just. So they could have advertised it heavily. Uh, they could have had it. You know, could have been like on the, the, the Today Show. They could have gave. They only gave out like between five and ten to YouTubers. I didn't get one. I'm not going to say I'm jealous of other YouTubers, but I thought if I got one, it would have been cool. Yeah, we you didn't know, get so, one. So, so my review didn't come out. I don't know if you saw my review. Uh, it didn't come out till like February first because I had to buy it later. But then I had to. I did. Well, I did a, I did a past NES Punk video though, so it was like a lengthy twenty, you know, twenty minute freaking review. Right. But um, it would have been nice. But no, they're still making them. They're still coming out. I think Best Buy sold out of them. They they restocked them like yesterday or so. Like I think well, let's see, Thursday the thirtieth or whatever. They restocked them as long as they announced like, oh, we're gonna have switches and NES Classic editions, which to me made no sense because they're different products. They should have had them separate days. But uh, I just no. think that whole thing could have been handled better. Oh, absolutely. You don't know if it was a supply chain issue. Maybe they would have problem making millions. You don't know. It's it's kind of tough. You don't you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, all their resources were going towards we have to have the switch succeed because if the switch doesn't succeed, we're in trouble. Right. So, but I I can picture them producing more, but they have to recognize that they're different markets. Just because someone buys a switch doesn't mean they're not going to buy. Uh, by the NES Classic Edition, or maybe people people just want the NES Classic Edition. There could be different markets. They have to make sure that they're not. You know, I think what the, what their error was probably thinking. Well, if they buy the NES Classic Edition, they're not going to buy the Switch. That's what they probably thought. When they don't, they should not have worried about that and just put out as many Switches. I think it's me, two different many, markets, kind of. It could be, but that's how they should have treated it anyway. They should have just went after the nostalgia market, then worry about the Switch for the modern gamers, and then maybe you have people buy both. But there's, you're not going to have many people just because they say, I, I bought a classic edition for 60 bucks. I'm not going to buy the console uh, later. Not, you know, So it's a disappointment because people like me thought, all right, if they buy this, I hate to say it, maybe they'll search on iTunes and get a certain NES Guide app that's on there. <laughs> you know, like it could have it could have been nice, but you know. Hey, if they're not buying those NES classics, they'll have more money to spend on books, right, Pat? <laughs> well, funny you say that, but Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library is also a fifty nine ninety nine as well. As the ah. I didn't do that by design; it's just the way it worked out. Oh wait, wait a second! Hey, uh, I thought it was called Ultimate NES Guy. Or no, I thought it was. <laughs> no, wait, I just got that totally wrong. I was gonna say, um, what do you always say? You always call it. Oh, a, a cer- certain, a certain NES Guy book. A certain NES Guy book. But now I have a certain NES Guide app as well. I gotta get you a code, sir. Uh, you should that. have actually named it that because now I think of it as a certain NES Guide book <laughs> more more so than. <laughs> well, than the well, actual I- title of the, the damn thing. Uh, you'll be happy to know, Mike. I'm in pre-production for a certain SNES guidebook, so we're gonna. Are you actually gonna call it a certain SNES guidebook? No, I think I, you that's should. just the coy term I use because <laughs> it's. I don't know. I don't know how it started, but it sort of caught on. And it's a thing. I don't know. It's, it's are we, mid- so, so are we gonna go through the period of podcasts where you're gonna be talking to Ian about whatever subject of the day, and then we're gonna hear you talking about a certain SNES guidebook? Absolutely, you're gonna hear that. <laughs> Absolutely, is that what's coming in 2018? In 2018, you're gonna definitely hear more Super Nintendo topics probably come up. You, you might see you might see Pat the SNES punk. No, no it won't <laughs> ever be that. But you well okay I um I'm, I'm I will give away something I will review a Super Nintendo game at least one this year but that's regardless of the book I, I was planning on doing it um I've reviewed Genesis games before in the past or at least one at least Dragoon by Higher Dominatrix but that's all their conversation damn it I can't monetize that video anymore because it's <laughs> for adult content but anyway my, cha- but- my chat always does this to me but people seem to like it they they like to ask favorites so I'm gonna I'm gonna do this horrible oh, thing and I'm gonna. A- I'm going to ask you your top three 
favorite Sega Genesis games. Oh, God. <sighs> That's... T- okay, I need a list of Sega Genesis games in front of me uh, to go through that, actually. Sega Genesis games. I'm going to come out and say, NHL 93 was fantastic when that came out. I played that at my friend's house all the time. Uh, game list. Pat, well, Pat, the correct answer for all three is Crazy Bus. That's Sega C... Uh, Crazy Bus? What the hell game is... <laughs> what the hell game is that? Is that a real game? Oh, it was a pirated game? <laughs> Aren't you keep, you're not keeping up with the nerd videos, are you? Well, oh, no, I, no, I'm not. Was that a one that James did? Yeah, it was um, uh, one of the wish Days of Shitmas? Shitmas, yeah, yeah. But, um... What the hell is this? That looks awful. I'm looking at it right now. It's like the worst game ever. So, basically, it's just... You want to talk about the game with the worst music ever? Literally, the music goes like this. <laughs> so this is some sort of weird bootleg? It's like this shitty... Just watch the nerd video. <laughs> he, he explains it. Oh, my God. I, I must have missed it. I thought I saw all the shit in this episode. I guess I missed that. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. All right. You want my... Okay, top three. I'll give you some. Uh... I fucking love Golden Axe because I played it in the arcade. Okay, and love that's it. a good choice. I'm not saying these are my top ones, but I love Golden Axe. Um, I love NHL '93. Okay. Um, let's Genesis. see. Yes, I mean the Genesis, Genesis for some reason were always slightly better than the Super Nintendo NHL games. Um, well, Genesis kind of had a one up on Nintendo with sports games always. Yeah, I always wondered why that was. I don't know, but they did. I really liked that first Spider-Man game that came out. On, on Genesis, okay. I thought it wasn't. It was different because you had time limit, and you can do. I think you do levels in different order. I think, and it was not wasn't open world, but I liked. I liked that that sort of motif. Uh, I didn't I expect that then. as an answer, but I think that's that, that's a good answer. That I don't know if the game's that good anymore. I haven't played it since my my you know my friend Kevin had it. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, uh, Alicia Dragoon, which is I which I reviewed. Um, I thought that was a very interesting game. Not many games like that. Um, a lot of there's a lot of good shooters that I don't know names off the top of my head, but hell, Mark from Classic Game Room loves a game like Truxton. A lot of high quality shooters. Um, games Do you think like, people are people are going to be screaming at you because you didn't say, give a Sonic title? <laughs> I never was into Sonic. I just wasn't. I played. I'm like, eh. You know, I just never enjoyed them. I, I mean. I should probably do a review. I'll, you know what? I'll do a Sonic review sometime. I always felt that Sonic off. should have been widescreen. Well, well, you thought that you thought that in '91. You, you, you. <laughs> I thought. Well, yeah, no, no, I really did. Like even back then, I thought, well, why can't the screen be a little wider so that you can see where you're going a little more? Well, why yeah. not? How about Gunstar Heroes? Gunstar Heroes is awesome. You know, sort of like uh, you know their version of Contra. You know, on, on that. Actually, I, have I played Contra Hardcore? I don't think I've even played Contra Hardcore to see how that is. I did a playthrough of Contra Hardcore, and I, if you haven't played that recently, you should. You should do. You should do that with Ian or something because that game is fucking great. Ian's got to get healthy so I can do something. You know. Well, when he's, I, I, when he's I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking at these top Sega Genesis games, one of the, but it's all based upon like upvotes and shit. They have like Mortal Kombat at six, so you know it's an awful list to begin with. Mortal <laughs> Kombat. On the Genesis was not good, but they have like X Men Two, Clone Wars, Castlevania Bloodlines. Bloodlines Earthworm is Jig. great, yeah. Uh, Rocket Knight Adventures. 
That's another good one. Jurassic Park, NHL 94. I think it's a 93, but 94 is regarded as the, the best one, I think. I like um, Toe Jam and Earl quite a bit. Have you played that? No, that's not one I really got into. Streets of Rage was pretty good for uh, Strider. Strider, the arcade that's version. A, yeah, Strider's a great game. And that's, a, that's like an original game, too. Um, let's see. No, I cannot play Street Fighter 2 on the Genesis with three buttons. I know they have a six by one. I can't do it. Uh, so, so do you hate this? Did I p- totally pull you out of your comfort zone? <laughs> not comfort zone, but like I only played it as a kid over my friend's house, and he didn't have a lot of games. You know, uh, how about Ghouls and Ghosts for for uh, that's that's cool too for Genesis. That's an original one too. I remember when I when I bought that game, I was looking for it, I was like, wow, I didn't realize this game was worth that much money. But I guess people really liked that game a lot. You know, to get into it. When the NES was out, did you have a friend that had the Master System? No. Uh, with, when the, with the Master System, was one of those weird things where I remember seeing commercials for it, but never had it, and it looked interesting to me because the games were colorful and different than the NES. So what happened was, with that, was I ended up going to a flea market, and I want to say the summer of 91. So by that point, you could still buy the Master System at some stores, but it was dying out. Uh, by then, by 91. So, went to a, not flea market, went to a garage sale, and a guy had it for sale. And so, um, my dad wouldn't buy it for me. It was, it was, it was 91, it was the original Model 1. It had, I remember it had like the F-16 card game, it had like five or six other games for it. Shinobi was probably there. My dad wouldn't buy it for me. He was hesitant. I begged and pleaded. Of course, we go back on Sunday, next day he said it sold. I don't know if the guy was lying, but whatever. I was like, so disappointed. We go to Toys R Us. Toys R Us wasn't carrying it anymore by then. But they did have the original display unit in the in the glass. You know how they had the glass things that you looked yeah. at for all the systems lined up under the lights? Yeah. And so they said, well, we can't guarantee, but we can sell you the floor model for whatever, 40 or 50 bucks. My dad wouldn't do it. He was paranoid. It wouldn't work. It probably would have worked fine. It would have been cool to say, oh, I have the display model from Toys R Us. We go to Kitty City. <laughs> Kitty City still had the games in stock. And they had the, the crappier Model 2, which is hard to find in the U.S., very hard to find. So we ended up buying the Model 2 uh, in the summer, which had Alice, Kid, and Miracle World built in. And then later in the year, I think that fall, I got Rampage. And then I asked for Rostan for Christmas, because I love Rostan. Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting Rostan, but you know what happened? Super Nintendo came out the winter of 91. And, that, and then it was all over. So then I sold the Rostan. I sold half of my <laughs> Christmas gifts to buy with cash. I had cash from relatives. I bought Super Nintendo with Super Mario World in December, of, you know, right after Christmas of uh, 91. The rest is history. Dude, and Super it, Nintendo was so good. Oh, my. When you played Super Mario World for the first time, it was like a religious experience. Can I tell you, can I tell you about uh, my Super Nintendo experience? Sure. So, um... I, I don't know if I already told you this, but I'll, I'll, I'll make it brief. Basically, I had to sell all... I didn't have any money. I was a kid. I had to sell all of my Super Nintendo games. I'm sorry. I had to sell all of my NES games, and I had about 80 NES games, um, and I went to Funko Land. 80? Yeah, I did. I had a lot of I had a lot of NES games as a kid. Wow. Because uh, I didn't have... A, I wasn't into sports. I didn't have a lot of friends, and... Like, my, you know, parents would get me a lot of video games because, like, I didn't have much of a life, and I would sit around playing NES, like, all day, which, big surprise, like, this is what I do now online, but, uh, yeah, so, basically, I, I had all, I had 80, roughly 80 NES games, I took them all to Funko Land, and I sold all of them and the system to Funko Land, and I got not even enough money 
to buy the Super Nintendo. So then I t- took other money that I had from birthday or wh- whatever, and then my personal money and all the, that money, and then I went to Toys R Us, and the day the Super Nintendo came out, I got the Super Nintendo and I bought it. And you would think that the story ends up that, oh, Mike was really upset because, you know, uh, he got rid of all his NES stuff. Actually, I wasn't. I uh, played Super Mario World uh, and the Super Nintendo, and I was so happy, and I loved that game so much. I, I came home every day after school. I remember walking home from the bus, and the first thing I would do, I would walk in, I would throw something in the microwave, and I would sit in front of the television from, like... 2 o'clock when I got home until 7 o'clock at night, I would sit there just playing it and playing it and playing it. I loved that game so much that I wasn't upset for a second that I sold all my NES stuff. It wasn't until I had probably beaten Mario World like four or five times and gotten the 96 stars and all, uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. I'd done it like multiple times and then finally I I, I was like, Oh, I kind of miss my NES games. It took me a yeah. while to get to get yeah. to that point. Well, that was to, to maybe to finish up. That was it. Late nineties, I didn't have my NES anymore. My games, I sold them all to. I think at a garage sale in my mid-teens, or also to a. We had a. We. I never sold them to Funkland. I sold them to. There was a store called UVT, and I think that was never like, heard of that. Scotch Plains, New Jersey, where okay. it was like a mom and pop where they sold videos. Uh, you know, D, not DVDs, VHS. And they sold um, music, and they sold like media. And they sold video games. Okay, and they, so they sold and they a would, bunch of they stuff. Would, they would pay you a fair price at the time for games. Like they would maybe pay you cash about half of what they sell it for, but they would reject you. Like games, like Funkland would take anything and maybe pay you like a penny. For, they'd give you like a yeah, penny for Super Mario. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. UV, but UVT would be like, okay, we're not taking this. We have too many, or we know it's not going to sell. Uh, so, but they, but they had used games for sales too, for sale too. I remember like. Getting like I think I remember uh, getting like a used Turbo Graphics game from them one time, or or um, I remember selling them. I think a Turbo Graphics game I didn't want anymore, and selling them some of my games I didn't want. So it was like it was a decent sort of trade in value, but it was a mom and pop, and um, it was one of those memories I think I'll never go away. Where like oh it's like oh they wouldn't they wouldn't accept this game. Oh I gotta keep my Spy Hunter or whatever you know as a kid when I wanted to sell it, uh, you know. So uh, man, we gotta do this more often. We gotta do this more than once a year. <laughs> We we do. Is there is there any more t- topics you want to hit, uh, or are we good? Uh, oh no! If you want to talk about what's going on with me or what I have lined up, but um, you know, um, like I said, I, I got the Super Nintendo book in production, uh, and the app is out. Uh, it's it's the ultimate game guide for NES, and that's on iOS and uh, Android devices. And doing an app is interesting. Working with a, working with a developer is interesting. Um, it's totally different than obviously doing your own YouTube videos. Not being you know you're in control of your own destiny when you're. When you are shooting and writing and editing your own videos, when, you, when it's mm-hmm. working with a developer, there's so much you you can't control. It's just like okay, you can work with them, but you know you're not programming yourself. And for example, I think I heard different. that you. I think I heard you say that your print version is doing better than the app version. Is that true? You mean you mean the book? Yes. Although the book is doing gangbusters still. Yeah. And you can get that at ultimatenes.com. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's the book digital digital version of the book is different than the app. Uh, they're, they're different things. The the book is a book. The app you can uh, track game prices, track your collection. You can search for specific games. It's more of a tool. The app, you know what I mean? Versus a, oh, interesting. Ver- yeah. So, so um, so you say you can track game prices. So meaning just just NES games. Yeah, it's just for the NES games. Just for NES games and, um, what does that so, exactly mean? Like, okay, let's say like Guardian so I, Legend. 
Um, all right. I'll go to Guardian Legend right now. I'll turn turn off the filters. I'll go to all games. Uh, I will search for. Let me sort. Will I'll that sort mean like what title. it cost last week compared to this week, kind of thing? Uh, it's based off of price charting, so that they have a database that is linked up. So Guardian Legend, four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Cart estimated value right now is fifteen dollars. Completed est- complete in box estimated value is forty. New estimated value is one hundred thirty five. So that's what it is right now, based upon price charting. And you can, if you want, you can click browse Amazon and eBay listings right off the phone. Question, and and will it also do unlicensed? As everything. Oh, that's awesome. As everything the book does, and then more. It's going to have more than the book. That's actually really cool. So it's going to have all, like, uh, most of, like, the PAL, um, uh, like, image variants, like, artwork variants. The book doesn't have all those. It doesn't have, like, what's the difference between the Hero Turtles cart versus Ninja Turtles. Like, this is going to have it all in there. Oh, that's awesome. So you so you can like go through cart variants. You can say, "Oh, I own Legend of Zelda Gold or the gray version." Like you can say, "I own one or the other." Or both. so the app, so the app is a better tool for collectors where the book is more research reference. Reference. The, yeah, okay. the book's a reference guide, and, and you know you have fun reading it and to learn about it. And the, the app, I'd say, is a, more of a tool. If you're out okay. and about, you would use the app. Okay. You, know, you, like you, you can say like, "Okay," or you're just talking with your friend, and you say, "Okay." Um, what was that game that came out by Capcom in 1989? All right, I can search Capcom 1989 genre platformer. Bam, it comes up. You know. I I think you know that could probably be a useful tool for more more than just NES. Like if there was a Super Nintendo one, and you know. Well, let's get there, right? <laughs> let's get to the Super Nintendo. A certain SNES app. Yes, we'll we'll see that the books will have to, basically you got to get all the information compiled first, obviously. Then afterwards, you know, do the book, and then if you do another app, you can do that. But oh, absolutely, the, the the structure of this app is such that we can do this for any sort of game console. We just see the information. And um, I got I got one one, one last question for you. Um, so from. And I don't want. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say I don't want you to give the uh, the answer of uh, the episode you you were. In. I don't. I don't want you to say Nintendo World Championships. Outside of that, because uh, I, I know I know you're you're the, you're the NES punk, so you you would give that answer. But outside of that episode, what uh, what AVGN episode do you really like? Oh, oh wow, Jesus! No, I haven't seen all of them. I've probably seen like eighty to ninety percent of them. Um, the one that I really like. I think I told this to James when I met him. Obviously, there's been a lot more videos in like the past six years. I really like that Spider-Man one. It was like one of the first, what, 10 or 12 ones? Uh, that was 30, episode 30 something, I think. Really? The Atari something. 2600 one? It was it was 30 something? I thought it was earlier than that. But uh, Spider-Man AVGN. Uh, well, let's see, 24. Bugs 31. 24, I'm looking at it. Oh, it's 24? 24. Oh, okay, it's 24. I love that it's so or- organic. I think it's funny the back and forth between them. I think isn't that the one where, where Kyle also calls him James in the video too? Yes, like there, by there's, there's, ah! yeah. <laughs> so maybe he wasn't that supposed his, to say that. It wasn't cut out, so maybe that's his, officially his name. <laughs> well, I, I love when James calls those intakes, and he did the same thing in the uh, Indiana Jones nerd episode. If you. I don't know if you've seen the ner- the uh, Indiana Jones one. I have. At, yeah, I at have. the end of that one, James goes to whip something because he's being like Indiana Jones, but he accidentally like whips the light. I think, and he was gonna re he was gonna redo that, 
But he's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll leave it in because it's funnier because he fucked up. Uh-huh. So that he left that as an intake. So I think the uh, Kyle calling J- the nerd James was kind of like, he just left it in because it was funny. I just thought that was a funny video because like you see them going at each other back and forth. Um, yeah, I love the effects that uh, James did where, with the with the webs and stuff like that. Oh, he, that, like he, silly string or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun that video. <laughs> that's that's one of the ones I always I always think about that uh, that I uh, uh, enjoy a lot. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe we'll get Spider Man Badger. Hey, you got a Spider Man movie coming out? Maybe he maybe that's a suggestion for that. You you, you <laughs> might be seeing some Spider Man content. Uh, oh, I know you're always you are so on on top of now well power rangers is coming out let's do 75 power ranger videos yeah okay so you so you wanna so it was uh it was like seven or eight months ago i was on ebay and i was buying the famicom uh super sentai games for because i was we, we set these things up like half a year in advance and like i'm already thinking about what's coming up you know in the rest of the year so it's like you can kind of figure out where we're going by like what is going on in the world mm-hmm. you know you got a big year you got a, you got a new star trek tv show coming out for pop culture you have all this i mean you got justice league in the fall there's a lot Are of you a star trek guy at all i actually have kind of converted into one the past few years because um i really like the next generation show a lot so i'm yeah, so next, I, next gen is so, great so I, I ran through those on Netflix a couple years ago, and then I, I freaking love Deep Space Nine. I thought that was fantastic. What a great show. Oh, wait, so, Pat, you, you, you like Deep Space Nine? Oh, you da, got da, it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Are you excited for the new show? Um, I'm – okay, I love absolutely love Star Trek. I'm a, a huge, huge, huge Star Trek fan, and I have been since I was like 10 years old. Um, and this is a subject I could go on for a long time. Next but, time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to go on a long thing about it. But basically, I'm a little worried about it because um, the show, like, they showed, a, they showed a teaser for it for Comic-Con. And basically, they showed basically a, the, it's basically like the saucer se- section of the Enterprise connected to like a Klingon D7. And the, the design of the ship is like. You just like the design. It's it's like the worst thing you could ever come up with. Well, it, yeah, it's supposed to be earlier. Though. It's supposed to be like right after the original series, right? Like ten years afterwards. That's when. And, I, the, and the the original series is my favorite series, and I, I like. But I don't think that. See, I can't stand the original series. I think it's so corny. See, that's the thing where it's like I see. I like that they were going for certain things, but either the episodes I think are really nice and like okay, that's a cool episode, sci-fi, Twilight Zone sort of stuff. But then they have the shitty episodes where we got gangsters and cowboys, and it's just like this. Yeah, is but you, awful. you know what? All, but all all of oh. the Star Trek shows ha- have that. Yeah, but not not in the not in the proportion that the, the original show eventually got to. Where it was like you can tell that it said, "Oh, we want to use a cheap set. We're going to have this episode well, with gangsters." Well, you know what? They, well, here's the thing. They so they didn't have the money at the, for the time for the third to, season, right? For for the third season, whatever, and like not a lot of people were watching it. Just the whole idea of Star Trek was new. And then that show played throughout the 70s and early 80s in reruns, and it was the original show that people fell in love with, and the reason that The Next Generation or all these other series could happen. So there was a lot of substance in the original series that was there that made a lot of fans that 
made it so that oh, sure. any, any of the rest could have even happened. Oh, sure. Uh, plus, the movies were very popular. They were. And and a lot, most of the things that you'll see in Next Gen or D- Deep Space Nine and all those shows, and I love all those sequel shows, too, but all the stuff that really happens is all really derivative of things that happened in the original series. So sure. had you not had that show, and I get it, like... I'm not like, saying the, it's not an important show or it wasn't groundbreaking. I'm just saying I personally can't go back and watch it. Like, I can I try to watch... I think it's... One of the channels runs them every Friday. They run, like, three in a row of the... They, you know, the, the when they when they remastered them a couple of years ago for Blu-ray. I so hate they, that. So they kind of clean up the effects here and there. Well, sometimes the effects is nice to have a better matte painting or something in the background. You don't like that? You're a purist. Mm-hmm. But, um, or they change the, the skin color of Pike in that episode so it's not like green. They, you know, they do stuff like that where they, they, so, they clean so, it up. So to me, that's like when George Lucas went back and added Jar Jar Binks into Return of the Jedi. That's not quite the same thing, Mike. Come on. It's not any two it It is, though, because... You you take like those awesome you you take like they had actual puppets and models and things like that and then you replace it with CG CG and it just like it t- it takes you out of it because like you you watch that show and you know it was made in the 1960s and then all of a sudden there's like this CG effect it's like oh well, obviously that's new it's like it doesn't fit and it just doesn't it just doesn't fit the show. I see. I see what you're saying, but like when you, actually a better example, if you want to talk about Star Wars, is when you watch Star Wars and you're watching like A New Hope, and all of a sudden they show a shot of the city that it's obviously like a CG shot that did that just doesn't fit in with like the effects of from the 1970s. You know, sure. I I just feel like it's really out of place, and and those effects don't fit. Um, they were lovingly done, um, but they they don't, they don't they just don't fit in. They weren't right. done on film. You know. That's true. Well, the menagerie, I think that's the one with Pike, where you can see the difference in how they cleaned it up uh, yeah. on his face. But I think I think it's interesting either way. Yes, I can watch them, but yeah, there's there are certain episodes where I'll just be like, I can't watch this. But I, a lot I of like, them are really corny, and the, the third season and I hate, is mostly terrible. I hate how just unrealistic it is. Where uh, Captain Kirk would never be getting would never have been given a starship in any sort of military outfit, and and the fact that he's going down in every mission and fist fighting, and I'm like. That's not how the military works. Like that's why I like next generation. We're like, this is how it actually would the navy functions. Like you don't have you don't but, put the captain in danger. But Starfleet isn't military though. Yeah, it but it, it wasn't it has until the same it wasn't until like Deep Space Nine came along that they started to do that because Gene Roddenberry's vision of the whole thing was not for it to be like a military institution. Sure, but it's still a chain of command. It's 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 based upon a chain of command. And a how chain of command was a good next gen two parter. I don't remember that one, but uh, <laughs> but you see my point though is that it wouldn't function like that. They wouldn't just give this wild I, guy, I know. you know, a, a lot, starship. So a lot of people, I think, feel they want Star Trek to be like more like gritty, realistic, like that. It's it's it, it's the same exact argument as the Adam West Batman versus like Michael Keaton, Chris Nolan thing. Yeah, it's and, like, and and they're different products. I understand that, but for. Mm-hmm. I think you get more out of the realistic stories. Like, look at the first the first season of Next Generation was terrible because they tried to do it like the original and have no conflict between the humans. Right. And it was just like, it's like Roddenberry's like, yeah, this is my idealized future, but that's boring to watch. Uh, human interaction and drama is, I don't think, ever going to go away. We're never going to be so automated that we can just shut down sort of like, oh, everything's perfect. You know, we got all the food and, and energy we always need. We're not going to have any co- inner, inner, internal conflict. That's just not, that's not interesting to watch. 
It's, it's, you always need dramatic tension between characters. So, so what, so what have we missed out on? We, we've, we've had geeky conversation about Nintendo, about Zelda, <laughs> about arcades, and about Star Trek. Well, I feel like, did we miss Lord of the Rings? Should we go into that? Oh, those new <laughs> Hobbit movies are rough. They should have been two movies, yeah. not three. Man, are they rough. And I, we, we won't, we, we won't talk about, uh, Shatner. Shatner's girdle he wore in the series, and they had to CG that out in the <laughs> What? Like, I think it was the movies where he he actually he had the. Girl. Oh, it was the movies. It was the movies. Come on, Will, you, you can't get in a little bit better shape for those those few films. <laughs> yeah, I, or how they changed the 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 uh, generations to have him do the fist fight to die besides just getting shot. You know. Well, you know when Kirk would go onto the bridge, he, they would say, you know, Captain on the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. But when he died, shouldn't he, you know, instead of saying, oh my, as his last line, he should have said, bridge on the captain. I think that that would have been more fitting. Bridge on the captain? <laughs> yeah, because the bridge <laughs> fell on him, you remember? <laughs> that, was just a, that was a weird movie, Generations. That was sort of like, yeah, you didn't need to do that movie. They had a good send-off in Star Trek Six. You didn't need to do that. Like that, that's, ver- that's very true. Well, William Shatner needed to be paid $5 million, so... It, they paid him happened. $5 million back in, mm-hmm. like, 93 for that? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that was not worth it. Trust me, that was not worth well, it. Well, it was really not worth it because more. I really think had they not done that, he, it would have been a smarter decision for him to have not agreed to do that because for so many years people wanted to see Captain Kirk come back. He could have come back again and again and again had they not killed him off. I mean, think of Leonard Nimoy being in these new um, yeah. movies and stuff. He really fucked himself uh, by allowing the character to be killed off because once the character was killed off, all the writers were kind of like, yeah, we could find a way with science fiction to bring it back, but nobody's going to buy it. Like, eh. Yeah, so. but I, 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 you can't get too much into the time travel stuff. Like, it kind of annoys me. And I think at that point, we're, we're really getting into the weeds now. People, the next generation was an extremely successful show. Yes. So I think you sort of did harm to that franchise by saying, well, we can't. We don't think we, the Next Generation cast can carry this film, which is totally not true because the Next Generation show was a lot more successful than the original Star Trek show. The Next Generation show won Emmys. It was on for seven years. Yes, and it, it was, was a some, more successful show. So I mean, like the, they, the they problem just, is the problem is Star Trek. Um, the the fans of the original were so loyal to that. Such that, fucking babies. It's just babies by that point. You had so many movies with the original cast in the show. They they should have just let it go. You ruined the movie because of that, I think. So, you know? but but Paramount was aware of that, and they were trying to do please everyone, please, please yeah. everyone. You can't so, do it. So that's what they did. And at, and yeah. and at that point, like the rest of the actors were like so old at that point. I mean, you look at James Doohan, Scotty, and that, and he, it's like he, he looks. He's like it, it's just they should. I what I'm trying to say is I agree with you. They should have not went in that direction and then you didn't have Spock come back for that you know you didn't have some of the characters so it was just like at that point what are you doing you went off well Leonard Nimoy said um, they they were gonna have him in it but it was gonna be like this little bit part kind of like whatever the fuck they did with Chekhov in the movie where he has like two lines and Leonard Nimoy was like fuck no I'm Spock fuck you yep which is the right way to go exactly like good on him they they don't think they had Sulu in that one either right Sulu didn't come back nah yeah it's just it was a mess All right, we'll talk about Star Trek again. We'll do we'll do it again after the series comes out. But I think Star Trek works better as a film, even though the last I thought movie was really good, and I'm glad they're doing a fourth one. I thought the last Wait, movie. Wait, y- you just said you think Star Trek works better as a film? 
Oh, excuse me, TV series. I'm sorry. Okay. I was so, going to say, I think it works better as a TV series. Yeah, because there's more character development. You can do... You, you can, can do, more, do so much more. You yeah. can do more experimental episodes. You follow one character along. Yeah, I you mean, know. the good thing about Star Trek is tuning in each week and seeing some different sci-fi plot, and they do it in some entertaining way and whatever, and you can't really do that with a movie because you have to have the big special effects, and yep. you can only really tell one story. It's it's just a better... It's better and, on TV. And you can have those big, like, two-parters, like the Borg and the Next Generation, where, oh, this is, like... The shit's going down, but yes, you have the quieter episodes, like when Picard is yes. uh, on that planet and he, you exactly. know, he, inside his own mind, he's playing the flute, and it's like, well, really heartfelt. That could never be a movie, though. They never, never make a movie like that. But your original you know? question about Discovery, um, I'm worried about it because because they're they're putting it like right after the original series or whatever it is. It's like. What can what can really be done with like they're limiting themselves by doing that? Well, I, I think they're it still take they're still place. they're still in the middle of the Klingon War uh, by that point, right? Ten years afterwards, they haven't they haven't it just, it just seems it just seems very limiting to place it in the middle because now it's like if they place place it at the very end, like after Voyager or whatever, then you could just do anything you fucking wanted and it could be really creative. Now now it's stuck somewhere in the middle and it's like they have to you know like you know how it's gonna end up. You know, so it's kind of like I, I see what you're saying, but I think you can still tell interesting stories and. Oh, I'm sure you can. I'm sure they'll yeah. they'll be good episodes, but but why why limit the show to begin with by putting it in that period? Well, that's why I thought it was weird doing that Enterprise show because it was like, oh, they're starting out. I see that. But it's like, I mean, we already know what's going to happen. They're going to meet the Klingons or whatever. Exactly. Else. They're, they're and- gonna, I feel yeah. like they're repeating that same mistake because look what happened to Enterprise. They fucking canceled that show and. I think uh, that that's going to happen with this show. I think people were tre- people were trekked out by that point anyway. You had you know you had consistent shows for like twenty years, so it was like all right, we're we're done for now. Yeah, and and honestly, if Star Trek is ever any good, it requires like a, a really good crew, a lot of writing, and a lot of money behind it. And this show seems like it doesn't have a lot of money behind it. It's going to be like on this well, Netflix CBS thing and CBS well, All Access or whatever. You, you, but you can do effects a lot cheaper now. Those Marvel uh, series have pretty good effects. They're, That's uh, true. Being, being That's on Netflix, true. being on Netflix doesn't mean as much anymore because as long as you get the funding up front, you're okay. You know, it, That's it's, true. A, it's a different model. So like, yeah, it, it's it's actually and plus they've done they've done it successfully in the past. I mean, the the, the CG on Deep Space Nine was very good, and that was what late nineties. Oh, and, well, uh, um, yeah. Well, they the had. Models. They were still using a lot of models on that show, actually. Sure. So that's. Yeah. I, I think it'll work out. I think. Knock on wood. They obviously have to have interesting characters. So. Yeah. But Mike, you're an interesting character on YouTube, and that's how. We'll <laughs> 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 so, uh, all right, this was great, and uh, thanks for coming on. We'll have you again in the future. And um, anything else you want to close with? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was fun. It's always fun coming uh, coming and talking to you. Um, and. Yeah, I got to make it back to the East Coast. We got to hang out. We got to we got to film some on uh, a follow-up to Ivan Iron Man Stewart Super Off Road. And, uh, oh and some my other god! Stuff. <laughs> Didn't, isn't one of the charity things that you did? Wasn't that one of them? Or Danny I, Sullivan? We, we we played a couple of them. Yeah. Well, well, there was an AVGN Danny Sullivan review a few years ago, a couple of years ago. <laughs> what are that we was, gonna do with you? That was probably one of the funniest things I think we filmed was was when we also started cracking up playing Super Off Road. That was just. Someone made, someone made a gif of that. Let's just like crack it up and you know on the couch, all three of us. Can you can you make can you make a video that's just all you talking about? Ivor and Iron Man Stewart eating eating Taylor ass. For, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> Taylor 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 <laughs> Pork Roll. I was going to say <laughs> eating uh, ass. 
eating ass pork roll. That's it's <laughs> great. That's great. Oh, well, man, yeah. it was good talking to you. <laughs> it was great talking to you, Mike. I was going into uh, uh, you were going to pork roll. I was going to eating ass, and uh, <laughs> that, that's about right. I think that pretty much sums up this entire podcast. It does ass and, and pork roll. All right, Mike. We'll see you later. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Pat. <laughs> Thanks again to Mike Matei for speaking to me this week. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Matei, M-A-T-E-I, or also on Cinemassacre.com or the Cinemassacre YouTube channel. If you enjoyed the Not-So-Common Podcast, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, or anything else you listen to podcasts on. You can also rate the podcast and leave a comment to help give it a boost. Also, you can spread the word on social media and let others know how much you enjoyed it. Finally, if you want to help directly support the podcast, you can check out patreon.com slash Thanks, and I'll see you next time.